episode 57. I am Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host. But before we get started, the um, one of the things I needed to point out before we get started, we've titled this episode two things. It's called August 1996, but uh, Gerard liked to call it Gerard Loves Delilah. So this episode, we're going to have introduced that femme fatale Delilah amongst other stuff. But uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about before we get started tonight is the new Twitter handle. Now, in the past, we've talked about at Clone Saga Chronic, which has been the Twitter handle for the site, and it was also the Twitter handle for the podcast. Well, it doesn't really reflect the podcast uh, anymore. It really doesn't reflect the, uh, the the what the site is. The site now is a full network of podcasts. So it's called at S Dude Podcasts. That's the new Twitter handle. At S Dude Podcasts is your new home for us on Twitter. If you followed us on at Clone Soccer Chronic, you should be able to have it just fine. But just in case, that's the new Twitter handle. Also, we have a new easy way to pull up at uh, Spidey-Dude.com on Facebook. You can type in at Spidey Dude Networks, or excuse me, at Spidey Dude Radio Network, and that will be how you can pull it up easily on Facebook. So, Search for us on those two particular sites, and then of course you got our our voicemail line eight one eight nine two five six six three one eight one eight nine clone one is the uh, is the voicemail line, and then of course we have our email clonesidechronicles@gmail.com. Now on to our regular scheduled episode. You're listening. To another episode of Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast, powered by Spidey-Doo.com. Whoa, I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair and changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Everybody, I'm, I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host of the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. I am joined this particular episode by a member of our radio network. His name is Gerard Delatour II. Gerard? <laughs> How's it going, Zach? Uh, you host Mayday Mondays, right? On the, uh, on, the, on the network. No, you have to be confused with someone else. Yeah, of course I host Mayday Mondays. <laughs> you check and uh, we have another member of our radio network here. He goes Spectacular Radio. He is Greg Bashansky. Yo, and I'm feeling pretty great. Are you? 
yes, I just, my Sunday is my last day at this horrible job I've been working at for the last seven months, so I feel great. Yeah, you're you're in the you're in the do not care phase. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> so, congratulations! This particular episode, we're going to be covering five. That's right, five issues. Sensational seven, Amazing Spider-Man four fourteen, Adjective List number seventy-one, and Spectacular Spider-Man number two thirty. Seven. That's uh, that's, that, then, that's uh, four issues, Eric. <laughs> and then you have uh, Spider-Man Unlimited number thirteen. Yes. So, all right, we got some news since we've last recorded, so that we want to cover, and we got some San Diego news as well. Unfortunately, Don and Josh couldn't be on this particular episode because of uh, certain obligations that they had. But uh, they'll be hopefully they'll be back next time. But uh, Donovan and Josh were actually down in San Diego, and they uh, and they actually went to some of the panels. We'll talk about that, and we'll intermix that with our news. So just wanted to mention that they were down at SDCC, San Diego Comic-Con. They go every year. But uh, anyway, unfortunately, they couldn't be on this particular episode, so we'll uh, we'll talk to them soon. But anyway, we'll talk about what what they've reported back to us about uh, the Spider-Man panel, and we'll talk about the action figure. So our our two main news topics are going to be the clone conspiracy and uh, the Jackal getting a new Marvel Legends figure. Uh, all three of us... Well, I know Greg collects Marvel Legends. What do you think of that Jackal figure? It looks pretty cool. I have to see it in person. The prototypes always look better than the finished product, but Marvel Legends is usually a higher quality line, so I'm surprised it took them this long to get to him. I mean, this line's been going on since, what, 2002? Yeah, and this is, well, this is the 70s Jackal, right? Yes, yeah, this is. is this is not the 90s Jackal. Well, th- th- it's funny because I kind of view... You have, you have the Toy Biz era of spider-man and then you have the hasbro rebooth rebirth of the legends and then they really last couple of years they've really been trying to go at with everybody i mean you've got last couple of years you've gotten everybody from ben riley scarlet spider uh, the jackal was was next on the list i'm hoping for a 70s cane or a 70s cane a 90s cane yeah me too i mean but it's weird how the, I, I don't know how they choose some characters. I mean, Tombstone doesn't have one yet. Tombstone, really? really? Yeah, really. He have, well, they. Uh, I figure they did the chameleon with that has Hammerhead, who's in this episode. Yes, the top of this episode. And that's a really great figure, by the way. Mm. Um, you almost want to buy two. You want, you almost want to buy two more because they have that Matt Murdock head, and you could totally make a Matt Murdock out of that. Yeah. Suit. I mean, I did buy two so I could have a chameleon and a hammerhead on the shelf. Yeah. Um, uh, fortunately, we, you know, I know what George's going to say. He's going to crap up Mayday. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, so you're bringing up that they started doing everybody. They, we finally got a Mayday figure out. Or, uh, I'm, yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, let me, let me correct that. We finally got a Spider-Girl figure out of it. Still, we did. still no Mayday head swap or anything like that. Which they should have um, done by now, but uh. at the yeah, rate, that, at the that, rate they're going, it might happen in a few years. I mean, we'll see. Honestly, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm it, crossing my fingers for the black suited Spider Girl. Mayhem. That was what I was actually going to bring up because at this point, Mayhem would be I mean, awesome. Yeah. Um, they try to do at least two female figures every wave, like the current wave, or at least minimum of one. But at least two, like this current wave that's about to come out, 
is got the two Ultimate Spider Men, Ultimate Peter Parker, Ultimate Miles. Or Miles. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then you've got Silk, who has a head swap. Oh, and Silk gets a head swap, but Mayday doesn't. Oh. <laughs> but hey, hey, a silver lining, the other uh, female figure does not get a head swap, which is um, the Ashley Barton Spider Woman from. Um, Old Man Logan. Yeah, but yeah, why, he- why, would I cel- he- why would I celebrate that, though? Like, that's actually a bad thing. Yeah, the head swaps are a very recent development. They started with the wave that Mayday came in, but they did that with the uh, Spider-Man figure, that wave, the Peter yeah. figure. So this is relatively new. I mean, I think if they had waited another wave or so from Mayday, she would have had a swappable head. I, yeah, I guess the reason cool. I'm butthurt over that Mayday figure is the fact that she didn't have any accessories of any kind. Yeah, yeah, and and the, it's funny because that that was the wave that they had the what they call the pizza slice Spidey, who had the swappable hands, and then they started doing more swappable features with the females, and they haven't done it with Spider. They didn't do it with Spider Man all that much. They did do it with the Avengers wave, with there, uh, Black Widow. Yeah, they but, did. There's a new Green Goblin figure coming out next year, and people were. And yeah. it looks, and it looks cool. People asked, "Is there going to be a swappable Norman Osborn head?" And we found out, no, there isn't. So, uh, and which is kind of. Uh, I, I'm also wondering if there's not going to be a classic Ramita head, because they kind of did that with the Hobgoblin, because the new Hob, the Hobgoblin that comes out the wave before the Green Goblin. Yeah, the Robert Kingsley a, head and the Mackendale Demon head. Yeah, you, you which. And, and then, like, Electro has the douchey, brand-new-day tattoo face. Mm-hmm. And then it has the classic Dicko. I'm like, everybody's going to throw that other one away. I don't know anybody that actually likes that design on his face. I'm sure, anyway. I'm sure the person who designed it likes the design. Well, yeah. Well, well, I'm sure they, that... they did a good job with the sculpt in that face. I don't like the, the actual design of it. In, on principle, but the sculptor did a decent job with it. So, um, yeah, he, 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 I, I, yeah, I think Mayday, if they had waited another wave or so for Mayday, she would have had the swappable features. I mean, because now they're doing it more and more often. Oh, Mary yeah. Jane is finally getting a figure. Mary Jane Watson, comic book Mary Jane, and um, yes. Cillian Garbin. The funny thing about that is that last year I bought a custom Mary Jane. I didn't commission it, I bought one on eBay because I said, oh, she's never going to get one. They never do civilians. And now they just announced one. <laughs> Again, that goes back to the, like the. They, you at least have two villains. You have a Spider-Man, and and it, at least two female characters. So, um, I mean, what's been interesting is that that the last two waves that came out in 2015 have not featured Peter Parker, but rather Ben Riley, because you had Scarlet Spider, and then you had. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Ben the Ben Riley of Spider Man figure, which you can turn into Spider Carnage. Yes, <laughs> which makes you almost want to buy two because you want to have a Spider Carnage. No, oh. <laughs> robot, listen to me. Me. Uh, now, all right, now two questions, and they're both clone related, so you don't have to get mad for me taking this off topic. Okay, sure. So, number one, does this Jackal have a Miles Warren head swap? Nobody no. knows yet. No. Now, wait, 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 wait. You gave two completely different answers, guys. Do we mean no as in they haven't announced it, or no as in they, they've confirmed that it won't? They've confirmed that it won't. I mean, if Norman, if the, if the Green Goblin's not getting one either, then Shackle's definitely not getting one. 
See, when it's so... Oh, come on, though. Because when he unmasked, it was literally just that with his Miles Warren head. So you, that's, a, yeah, that's a doable I mean, one. Come on. That's a very doable one. Yeah, I agree. Here, here's the thing. But even like when they announced Spider-Gwen, they didn't, they didn't announce the actual head swap until like very late. Wait a minute. Spider-Gwen got a head swap? But she has a hood. Doesn't that, doesn't yeah, that complicate that, things a lot? So, well, how, what, so what, how can they make a long-haired character with a hood have a head swap? The hood what is they did was and have a second hood that is kind of that's worn hmm. down. Oh my god! Yeah. So, they, so they basically gave her like multiple parts just to make this work. But you can't get a, a simple old man head swap from Miles Warren. Yeah, <laughs> or, that's why I'm kind of like, <laughs> or just yeah. a regular ass, not, not anything else well, they, needed head swap for like a minute. Come well, on, what is this? Well, well, with the CD, uh, with the exclusive uh, like figures, they did a, like a, a a classic Sandman, like a Sandy version of Sandman from the comics, and they had the cornrows. They can that, that's not hard. They can do the cornrows yeah. if, if the cornrows is the problem. <laughs> to me, to me, I think I think what people probably would have wanted would be like a Harry and a Norman head swap, yeah, which is I mean, doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I picked up that uh, exclusive set because I wanted an Enchantress figure. That Sandman figure kind of sucks. The head's fine, but I'm probably tossing that up on eBay sometime soon. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's going to be the build a figure next wave. Yeah. Okay, and uh, question the second, because I had two of them, as you recall. Uh, yes, <laughs> this is kind of a joke question, but I kind of want you guys to answer seriously. So forgetting the Jackal now, how long until we get spider side? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna happen, you know. I mean, you no. Know, I hope he's. A, I hope they do. Eventually, I hope eventually, they build a figure so that I know, so that I don't have to buy every figure in that way because I won't don't care about Spider Side. <laughs> I'd buy a Nightmare's Cane happily, but not a Spider Side. I mean, we've had okay, we've had, we've had Agent Venom, we've had McFarlane or uh, Eddie Brock Venom, and now we have Flash Thompson Space Venom as the build a figure for the current wave, and the, the one that's coming out soon yeah. with Ultimate Spider Man. So I mean, anything's possible. I mean, but like I said, we still don't have Tombstone. He's a major character. We still don't have, um, you know, I take White Rabbit over <laughs> some of these other characters. Well, that they're doing yeah, me White too. Rabbit would yeah. have funny. <laughs> uh, this, I'm gonna look like such a putz because I actually love White Rabbit. Just like I'm, I, my my strange, unironic love for Delilah is the same exact thing as we'll find out in this episode. Oh, yeah. they I, do a Rose figure. <laughs> Not even mentioned Delilah, yeah. Oh, they yeah. haven't done the Rose yet? No. They haven't done the Rose yet. And that's a, that's a really obvious one because that's a he's a character that's basically recurred, or an identity that's recurred multiple times now. Yeah, oh, I, okay. guarantee, we, yeah we, I guarantee you Demo Goblin is coming. All they have to do is take the recent Hobgoblin figure, repaint the demon head and everything, paint him blue and yellow, and there you go. New, new Flaming Glider. There you go. They haven't done Shriek yet or the Doppelganger. Yeah, they haven't done go- Doppelganger since the 90s. I actually had that uh, Doppelganger too. figure. Man, um, I, I, would kill, there, I would kill for a Shriek figure. There's, prob- there's probably about you know, that's the thing, though, I, I'm not even all that fond of the character, but I just like her visual look. Yeah. There's about 25 characters that haven't been done yet. And mm. I the, and, and two of them that are really surprising. I, I just mentioned Sandman hasn't been done since the since Toy Biz. I've got Hasbro's not there, yeah. Still a good figure. Um, it's a good figure, and then you you haven't had a Doc Ock, which is shocking. What? They'll do Doc Ock eventually. I mean, I've got the toy bits. I mean, sure, already were at my house, so I'm kind of hanging from the ceiling. But yeah, they haven't done, they haven't done a new Doc Ock in a while. Huh. I, I mean, 
I mean, they're they're trying to balance, I think, the past with the current stuff because I mean, they're doing they've done most of the superior foes. That actually that actually makes me mad. They haven't done Doc Ock, but they've done like stupid uh, uh, Silvermane head on a car, a car, or whatever it was. I love. I that. actually don't, love that little don't. figurine. It's hilarious. Don't knock it. <laughs> yeah, well, they could eat a big pile of dump if they were to release that and not release Doctor God Octopus. The, I think I'm they sure. were waiting for Doc 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 Ock's return. I I would bet. Within the next two way, two or three waves, we'll, we'll see do, a Doc, Doc Ock. Is inevitable. They'll do it. They'll do. They'll do a new Doc Ock. That's I mean, I, they've done. I, I can't grip, come to grips with that. There's no Doc Ock Marvel Legends figure. Hey, no, no, there is. It was a toy biz one. It was made about ten years ago, but it's there. I've got it. You saw it. Has, oh, well, yeah, it that's what I mean. But was that, was that the last happened. one, or was it the Spider-Man yeah, Two movie? One was the last one. No, that, no, that, that was post Spider-Man Two. But um, actually. I believe it was the Green Goblin figure that's coming out. That's the first 616 classic Green Goblin in over 10 years, too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've now done... They've done the... Uh, <clears throat> the Phil York Goblin. They've done the Hobgoblin now with Kingsley, and now they'll be doing the Green Goblin. So yeah, inevitably, I, about, I would... I, I thought, yeah, I, I thought of about buying that new Hobgoblin figure and just sticking a generic blonde guy's head on it and just have it be Ned Leeds getting his ass kicked by people. <laughs> <laughs> the the yeah. Phil Goblin was a builder figure. Yeah. Yes. You should probably put an asterisk on that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing that made me mad about that Mayday is that she came with not one, but two Phil Goblin pieces. Yeah, yeah, I'm, sure, yeah I'm sure at some point they're going to repaint that figure to be Goblin Knight, Goblin King, or whatever the hell <laughs> he is now. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they've they've done and they did anti venom and they did toxin the Eddie Brock toxin. So they've done now almost all the symbiotes. So I think I think now they haven't I done the scream. Folk, well, I'm talking about like the male symbiotes. Yeah, yeah. There hasn't nobody cares about scream. We 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 talked about this on this very show. Well, anyway, well, gonna... well, I don't know about that though, because wasn't scream at the uh, Universal? Uh, wasn't she part of the Universal Spider Man stuff? Yeah. Like so for for a little while there, like, somebody cared. <laughs> Yeah, of all the characters they could have picked, they picked Scream. Yeah, that was true. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I mean that—that's the Marvel Legends. Oh wait, can I ask one thing though? Sure, um, absolutely. Since we just threw out a whole bunch of characters and names and things, just, this has really nothing to do with anything. Just a curiosity of mine. Uh, top three figures you would want Marvel Legends altogether. Um. I just got a couple off of my wish list recently, recently, but um, okay. Let me let me reiterate ones that you want that don't exist yet. A giant build a figure starter would be awesome. Ooh, <laughs> it's not going to happen like, quickly, but I I would like a um definitely like a '90s cane. Yeah, because because I there's that one version of '90s cane that's in the maximum clonage six box set that was like a repaint with a toy biz did that was just ass oops i totally done goof so the maximum clonage six pack from toy biz was not a six pack it was in fact an eight pack so i was wrong minor editor's note sorry back to your regularly scheduled programming mm-hmm. i mean i would like a tombstone preferably in the business suit that has to do more yes. of my affection for the spectacular spider-man version but tombstone's so cool in the comics as well and i have a feeling if they ever do them they'll just do them in the leather getup he wore in the 90s so i prefer the business suit um i want a good doc ock 
I mean, I know that that, that everybody that single. Oh, that, oh, I'm like, yeah, I do want a good Doc Ock. The Toy Biz one is good, but I'd like to see, if they do a new one. I'd like to see him and George's gonna love me for saying this in the white business suit. Yes, yes. that's the one I want. Yeah, I want a, I want a white business suit, Doc. Um, and then I'm trying to think of the one that hasn't been done yet that hasn't been announced because Mary Jane obviously just got announced too. Yeah, um, for Bertoni, a Betty Brant Marvel legend. That would be cool. <laughs> um, They're opening the door. Was, <laughs> is 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 her? Uh, or she has accessories. She has an AK-47, a handgun, a, uh, a, a and a, a knife, a, a bottle of propane to blow up someone's apartment with, uh, <laughs> and a swappable head where she's completely freaking out. Yes. With the, yeah. uh, with the with the Steve Dicko spider sense lines swarming off of her, <laughs> I know I know Gerard's gonna hate me for this because there already is a Superior Spider Man, but I'd like to see the uh, the Ryan Stegman drawn early version of Superior Spider Man. Is there a difference? <laughs> yeah, um, Ramos did a costume that looked more like actually it was like a cross between Ben Riley and the Alex Ross movie costume, right? And that's that's the one that they released. They released that one, but they didn't release. Um, okay, I, I just wasn't aware there was two different designs. Yeah, I guess I have to look closer. Yeah, but was that intentional, or was that just the case they just drew the character differently? Um, he got a new costume after he uh, quote unquote exercised excised Peter Parker like uh, this ghost the ghost Peter. Okay, and you're saying the second costume is the one that has been put into figure form, not the first one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's missing people. Like he doesn't have the uh, mechanical limbs that occasionally pop out of his back. Although someone on eBay they made and uh, kind of mass produced their own versions, you can just attach these to the back of your figure. Hmm. Yeah, because they all have like a yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, that that I mean, I would like to see that those those three: Kane, the Superior Spider-Man, uh, original costume, and then. Uh, um, 90s game. All right, so which th- three did you say, Greg? Yeah, you said uh, cer- build a build a <laughs> Yeah, build a Surter, um, Tombstone, and uh, who was my third? Um, I said Betty Brant as a joke, but now I think I would kind of like to see that. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll just say Shriek, just because, like I said, she's an interesting visual. She's not even one of my favorite characters, but. Give me time, I could think of something better, but that's just she just came to mind, so I'll just say that. Hmm. What would I say? Um, give give me a uh, a mayday, of course. Uh, black suit mayday. Yeah, you know what? I'll take a black suit mayday, and I'll take a uh, like mayhem. a just 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 a swapping head, and yeah, give me mayhem. Let's just go all MC two. Just give me those three. You know what? Actually, instead of a swap head mayday, let's have all right black suit mayday mayhem, and give me American Dream just for the just for the giggles. Not Fury yeah. the Goblin Queen. <laughs> I, I secretly hate that character. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Big build a figure, Goblin God from the end of the Amazing Spider Girl run, or whatever he was calling himself there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see an MC2. Oh, yeah, me too. <sighs> yeah, and then there—that's the crazy thing—is that there's so many good choices for an MC2 line. I'm surprised they haven't done it yet. Yeah, and, and there's some. I mean, look, they they stick in random people like Misty Knight and the White Tiger, which kind of is ancillary. Well, the White they, they the, the White Tiger is because of the animated show. Right. Yeah, I, I would like to see. I wouldn't mind seeing a male white tiger from like the early spectacular run. Right. Um, but uh, well, that would make yeah. sense with Misty Knight because wasn't he a recurring character in uh, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 
And then um, now they got uh, Kamakon, who is the Ms. Marvel. She's going to be yeah, in the Spider-Man cool character. Line, figure looks decent, yeah. Which is kind of random, but it's like if they don't, if she doesn't really have a spot for, which like, I know why they did that. They like they the did that street level of, heroes in that lineup, also. Yeah, they. I mean, they had Daredevil, a really not bad Daredevil. Um, and then they had the Walgreens Daredevil that had the swap head. That was the red and yellow instead of just the pure red. Okay, okay. I I come back to my third choice. Now it's not Shriek, it's Silver Sable because she doesn't have one either, figure yet either. There's no Silver Sable yet? No. Nope. Jeez, what are they doing? <laughs> well, I think they're, again, they're trying to do all the, all some of the more current stuff. And I think if, like, when they bring Silver Sable back and they bring Doc Ock back. Well, it, yeah, well, it took them. They're, they're doing more of the current stuff, like the 70s Jackal. <laughs> but even, well, even then, like that said, version. It took, the, it took the, yeah, That version like appeared said, in. Um, in Spider Island hashtag, so yeah. I mean it's fairly well, recent. Like, yeah. Also, and like I said, it took them this long to get to Amora the Enchantress, and she was a San Diego Comic Con exclusive. I mean, I picked one up, but yeah. Uh, and but and she's a classic character, so I suppose I should root for Scourge the Executioner since uh, I've gotten Amora, but I'm sure we're going to get one when Thor three comes out because he's in that movie. And I want I want all of the uh, Netflix. And I know, I know they're starting to do this with Jessica Jones and the Punisher, but I want oh. a Netflix Daredevil. Another one I should have said Sif. Oh yeah, yeah, mm. that's Sif's a cool character, right? much better than uh, what's her name, who Natalie Portman played. And I know the name of the character, I just don't care. <laughs> Jane Foster. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Jane, generic love interest. Mm, so generic. She's not coming back for the third movie, and no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, if you saw the second one, she was. Just, I don't think she was there mentally in that one either. Mm-hmm. But anyway, which, uh, which, I, mean, I, which means that this one has a chance, the third one, to be the best one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a high bar, considering how bad the other ones are. Uh, so I guess the moral of the story is Marvel Legends are doing some good stuff, but they, man, they need to. Somebody needs to get some sense into the head of whoever's choosing these figures. Yeah, because yeah. the choices have been weird. Um, oh, oh okay. Gerard, just one more question: If they do, a, if they did do a Mayday swappable head, long hair or short? Short. I actually prefer the long hair, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah Personally, I, want, I, want, I just like the short hair better. I like the uh, Ron Friends design short hair, where she she was drawn a little bit more like her mom. Anyway, you know, and a good chance with with Marvel Legends because they usually try to reflect what's going on in the comic books. A good chance of, of seeing some new characters is uh, because of Dead No More. Dead No More is uh, was that teaser that Gerard and I talked about, where we had like a Nuba Jackal and all that all that jazz. Well, that was actually not the name of the event. That was that was a false name that uh, Marvel came up with because they announced the actual name of the event is called Clone Conspiracy. It will be a five-issue miniseries that's going to run concurrently with Amazing Spider-Man. It's going to be written by Dan Slott. Jim Chung is going to be providing the artwork. Uh, Christos Gage and Dan Slott are going to... Or Christos Gage is going to be writing uh, ASM during the event. So there will be like an issue of ASM, an issue of Clone Conspiracy... Yeah, yeah, that's how. Translation: It's a five-issue miniseries, but you're going to end up having to buy ten issues to get the story. Yeah, pretty much. Even though he said, "Oh, it's 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 going to be a self-contained story. You don't have to buy the other issues." Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, like Spider-Man drinks of war. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, going to have um, basically 
we call him a Nuba Jackal because he's wearing a Nuba's head. Um, he's wearing a red suit. He's been appearing throughout this volume. Uh, he brought Martha and Billy Connors to uh, Kurt, a, a, the lizard, and uh, he brought the rhino's wife back from back, quote unquote, back from the dead. Well, the uh, the twist now is is that he's permanently in lizard form, but he has Kurt Connors' brain. That's not a twist, isn't that like status quo multiple times over the years? Well, yeah, they brought it back. So, well, yeah, so um, yeah, he's in, he's still in reptile form, but uh, it's the the early preview issue is next week um, that we're recording this, so we'll we'll know more. But anyway, Jim Chung doing artwork on Spider Man. I'm excited. Ooh, what a waste of his talent. He should be <laughs> he should be doing better than dance lot stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that that. Uh, I did reach out to dance lot for an interview. <laughs> he didn't say no. Yeah. So, oh, so Miles Warren is wearing an Anubis mask now. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually hate that idea. Kind, I mean, it's a jackal. It makes sense. I mean, let's face it: the jackal has never had a good-looking design. No, but that was kind of the point, though. He was just a college professor who went a little loony and made a little costume for himself. This whole idea that he, this whole idea that he's some kind of insane mastermind who managed to to you know create the whole clone saga and everything is just one of the worst character twists we've ever had yeah um supposedly just gone to- lot. um yeah so i mean we don't have a whole lot of details other than the clone conspiracy the nuba jackal five issue miniseries running with amazing spider-man uh, there's been some speculation and i know that, that we're gonna laugh at this but uh, there's been some speculation that this may be his magnum opus because this is the uh, kind of going to wrap up the the meta doc Ock arc <laughs> dan slots writing his magnum opus it must be that time of year again yep how many times have we heard that one before no it's, it's rumors is he leaving after this is that the rumor is that part of the rumor possible that was possible is that this is like his big finale and he's gonna ride off in the sunset minor editor's note um, because of what Dan Slott tweeted the other day, I have to kind of insert this in here. Dan Slott tweeted that he had uh, had written one-fifth of the Amazing Spider-Man series thus far, and that he wasn't going to stop anytime soon. So, there you go. As in they're going to read... Okay, I, I, I won't say it. It's too easy. <laughs> I did. It's just too late. I, I had to get that one in there. Sorry, Zach. I didn't even hear what you said. I said, uh, I hope he's not riding on the back of a horse. It would break all four of its legs. <laughs> See, I had to get one, just had to get one more fat joke in there. Come on. Yeah, more fat, one more fat joke. Okay, anyway, so, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, clone conspiracy. <laughs> so, wait, 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 that's all they announced about it? Um, yeah, I mean, there's really not, uh, the, the, the solicitations have starting to come out. Uh, looks like, uh, Doc Ock's gonna get a new body. As long as it comes back as Doc Ock. And not in a clone Peter Parker body has been keeping Superior Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, this is like an actual cloned Doc Ock body. So, and a big thing about this story is that he's, um, that the Jackal has been able to conquer death, quote-unquote. So, Thanos I don't know will if it's... be so upset. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, the end of the, that's the end of the story. Like, Thanos just comes in with a giant, like, fist. And smat and squashes him like a bug. Well, what does it matter? He's conquered death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, so, Dan Slott has also seen the the sixth day. Because this is the exact plot of that movie. 
Dun, yeah. dun, but anyway, uh, that that is where we are. I mean, there's not again, there wasn't a whole lot announced. They're trying, they were trying to keep it close to the vest. It's kind of controversial because it was kind of a big giant swerve. Um, <laughs> a lot of people were expecting this to come out during San Diego. Um, uh, yeah, that's the entire purpose of having a convention. Yeah, <laughs> but they instead, Sandy- yeah, go on. Yeah, but instead they announced it like two weeks before. Before we wrap up the San Diego section, do we want to discuss for New Year vows at all? Um, we can. George, uh, uh, I, I don't know what kind of discussion you would have. I haven't been reading it or anything. Yeah, it well, uh, hasn't started yet, but my big theory is that because Rebirth is doing so well for DC, I mean, DC's outselling Marvel across the board now since it started. Marvel's got to be paying attention, and I'm thinking that, hoping that Renier Vows is their way of, once again, testing the waters about bringing the marriage back. Because, I mean, well, wasn't the Slot Renier Vows miniseries their highest-selling Spider-Man title in years? Yeah, it was also the highest-selling... Um book secret wars book outside of secret wars itself so it's not very hard for uh, there was a huge demand for it um retailers ordered it and uh it seems like it's gotten a very got a very got a very positive response that was one of the best dance lot stories i've read in years um and so he i thought he did pretty well even though i had a i had one big issue with it but i kind of had to get over it yeah, I had some, I had a couple issues with it also, but it goes to show one thing: Dan Slott is perfectly capable of writing Spider-Man well. He just usually chooses not to. Well, see, see, but then I, uh, I think it's a die-hard thing. Yeah, I the thing about the thing about Slott is is that is that if his dialogue wasn't so wooden. I don't even hate a lot of his ideas. It's just the execution with his ideas. Yeah. All right. So, um, so I guess this renew your vows thing. Well, Jerry Conway's gonna be writing it. Okay. So do, they announced Jerry Conway's writing it. It's a. Is it an ongoing or a miniseries? It's an ongoing. ongoing for now. Yeah. Okay. For like, for now. You have to you, you have to do ongoing in quotes because you know after twelve issues it's probably gonna get twelve. Yeah. Were you kidding me? How how quick did they pull the plug on uh, Web Warriors? Not even making it to twelve. They made it eleven. Yeah. Um. See the the reaction I had to this when I first heard it was, oh that's nice. I don't really care, but that's nice. Because I think they've beaten the interest out of me at this point. It's it's a little too late for me. But it's a nice. I'm gonna pick it up. I'm going to pick it up because I'm in, I enjoyed Jerry Conway and I enjoyed Ryan Stegman, so hopefully I can enjoy them together. Also, I know that Jerry Conway knows how to write Mary Jane Watson. True story. Eh, Conway hasn't had it for me since the since the late '80s. Fair enough, fair enough. But, he, but he's not going to butcher his, them. His his Carnage book isn't that bad. Yeah, and also the big reason I'm picking it up, this is me voting with my wallet because I want this back in main continuity. Also, and I'm. And I'm still, I still believe that there's discussions going on about that because they've seen how Rebirth is doing, how Rebirth is selling well, it's making people happy. And you know what? They've got their young single Spider-Man in the main universe. His name is Miles Morales. So, uh, see, with that, now, now you're getting me a little riled up, though, because if, they're, if you're saying that there's a chance that basically Renew Your Vows will become like official canon is that what you're arguing or you're arguing just generically to bring back the marriage again generically to bring back the marriage okay because my fear is 
See, the reason I don't have an interest in Renew Your Vows is two reasons. Number one, because it's a spin-off of a Dan Slott idea, so he's fucking, he's going to be puppeteering this thing, as usual. They have to keep it in line with what's going on in the main books. But more importantly to me, it, it no Mayday, no care. <laughs> like, I just like, I don't like the idea that they replaced, they, that they swapped out uh, their kid with someone else, considering I already have a great investment in Mayday as a character. Obviously, because yeah. I do a podcast about her. <laughs> So uh, my fear is that if they see Renew Your Vows, the Conway book, do incredibly successful, they'll be tempted to bring a kid into the story if they ever bring back the marriage, and it won't be it won't be Spider Girl. It'll be whoever this other character is, Annie or whatever her name is. And uh, it's just like I don't I don't really. <laughs> well, Anna, no thanks. The, yeah, Anna's supposed to be the kid they would have had if uh, Mephisto didn't come and do his thing, and it makes sense to me that it wouldn't be Mayday because Mayday was conceived during the clone saga yeah but again that whole thing about i'm the kid that you'll never have oh, oh, you're bringing back bad memories you're bringing back bad memories again fair enough again like i said this is me i mean if we end up in a situation like the post uh like like during the year mid to early 2000s where the marriages around peter and mj were married and they were doing their thing you know what i'll be happy i'll be happy if they're written in character i'll be happy I don't know. I I, I just I, I I'm at the point now where, and I hate being like this. By the way, this isn't something that I revel in. Everybody's gonna be like, "Yeah, you just hate everything," which is not true. Listen to Mayday Mondays if you don't believe that. But uh, I just have no faith in in the personnel that they have behind them. I mean, who would they have to write this that I would actually care about? You know, call Tom DeFalco. Call Tom DeFalco. <laughs> they wouldn't give him a shot at this. Come on. They'd give it to some young upstart piece of crap writer, <laughs> and the book would be canceled after a year, and then we'd be right back where we started again. Oh, they're not going to cancel Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm talking. I'm just talking about in general. Like they, they'd scrap the idea. Let's go in a different direction for the fifteenth time. Anyway, that, 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 that's that's pessimistic even by my standards. I'm sure it'll end up okay. We'll see what happens. I mean, they've been acknowledging one more day in the comics recently, as in something happened with Mephisto quite a bit. I mean, something's going on. I mean, they're building up to something. Something weird is happening. Hmm. I'll take your word for it. I mean, is Joe Quesada even involved with the comic division anymore? No. Well, there and, you go. And, well, other than generically being a like a, a, head, a head above where Alonzo is. But he's he's involved the same way that like the CEO of a car company is involved on the production line. Yeah, that's makes me wonder what exactly does he do now? Oh, he sits in an office collecting paychecks. Because I know he's not involved with the movies because Faggy managed to split the movie department from Ike Perlmutter. Animation. Oh yeah, the, more directly yeah. involved with their animation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Did he write scripts to, for the Ultimate cartoon as well? Yeah, yeah, right. That's when he went to the uh, Man of Action while. Well, putting the ultimate cartoon together and saying, I want to show that it appeals to kids, not 40-year-old white guys that read comics. I wonder what show he was referring to there. <laughs> Nothing specific, Greg. Besides, uh, we know Joe isn't involved with the comics anymore because remember at New York Comic Con, he was billed as an entertainment guest and not a comics guest. Right. It's almost, yeah. it's almost like he's embarrassed what his job used to be. What a, what a crazy thought. Well... Anyway, we got any more uh, any more thoughts on SDCC? No, I wish I was there. I don't. Me too. I, uh, 
Okay, I got a, I got a little mini rant here. This is a response that I've actually seen from several comics creators and stuff that have responded to After San Diego. And this is something that I started talking about with New York Comic Con last year, and I guess I'm finally going to get it out. Um, the conventions are becoming less and less significant over time. And I think this year San Diego really proved that at this point, who cares? Because if they're going to announce anything important, they're not going to do it at the show. And even if they do, they're not going to say anything at the show. So what's the point? Uh, I guess I just want to go get together with friends who are going. It's more of a social gathering for me. Right, but I'm saying from the perspective of this is our big uh, thing, we're going to roll out all of our cool news for the year, and so that doesn't happen anymore. Well, I mean, anymore with... with if they're Used to it, uh, you'll, Hollywood always went to San Diego doesn't matter if they were comic book related, geek related or not. But I mean, the amount of trailers that came out this year was, was, you know, there were some good trailers that came out. Um, right. But I don't care about any of that. It, it, it's a mo- It's a movie festival with occasional comics related things happening. At it. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's the part that's kind of frustrated me as a, as a fan is that, is that it's, and it's been this has been going this has been a systemic problem that's been going on for a while. But it, it, this year it was much worse because the ratio of movies to comics is completely out of whack now. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, I mean, we just discussed Clone Conspiracy. Marvel had virtually nothing to say about it. <laughs> I mean, and they had a Spider-Man panel. <laughs> what happened at the rest of this panel? Other than uh, they talked, other than they fifty minutes space. of sitting around, look at the ceiling. Well, they, they, one, they were late, and two. Um, I think they were talking about Space Punisher again. Oh, good God. <laughs> I, I would argue that New York Comic Con is a lot more comic book focused than uh, San Diego is, but... um, <laughs> Not after last year. Are you mm. kidding me? Do you remember that Marvel panel we went to where they had absolutely nothing on the table? Oh, God, yeah. I don't think Marvel did anything at New York Comic Con last year, actually. I didn't even Which is sad because it's right in their backyard. Did, yeah. It's just like, what on earth is, is the point of this? <laughs> well, anyway, we're, 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 uh, forget the experience of sitting in that panel. With, we're sitting. In, I'm sitting in the panel with uh, with Greg, and it's literally they're like, "All right, well, that's the end of our presentation." I look down at my watch. They were 12 minutes into the panel, <laughs> and they're like, "We'll spend the rest of the time taking questions." And and what? How, how much would you say? One third. I don't even remember. Maybe even I, maybe I, half of the I, audience got up and left immediately. Yeah, yeah. My brother and I were among them, only to find out we had to go back into that same room for the next panel that we wanted to actually attend, which was uh, Brad Jones on Ellis, and that was a lot more fun than that Marvel panel. But I just remember sitting there, I'm thinking, you have the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics, you have, the, like, the line editor for something, and then you have a couple of writers shilling their, their upcoming books, and they're done. They, they blew their wad 15 minutes into their presentation. It's like... And this is this is the all new all Marvel panel. Like this is it. Like everything that's not like Avengers or Spider Man. This is it right here. And you have nothing. They had absolutely nothing. I was sitting there thinking, oh my god, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, let's put it this way: Gerard is so burned out on this. I offered to pay for his ticket for New York Comic Con this year, and he's declined. Oh yeah, can we talk about that? Since since we're talking about San Diego. Um, uh, yeah, New York Comic Con decided this year they were going to change their their uh, guidelines for handing out press passes and their entire procedure for obtaining fan passes. So yeah, we got boned. We're not we're, we didn't get any press passes this year, arbitrarily, okay. I might add. 
And uh, that this is true of virtually every outlet that I've talked to. Like, the Batman universe hasn't gotten any uh, passes, unless they're going to try to finagle, <coughs> I mean bribe, I mean <coughs> finagle their tickets to get into there and things like that. But So unless right. you're paying for it, and I'm not, because I can't afford it, <laughs> even despite Greg's uh, very generous offer, I think I'm just going to sit out this year. So yeah, Just letting you we'll know ahead of time. Yeah, unfortunately, we normally do a lot of coverage on that in NYCC, but unfortunately not this year. So, uh, anyway, I'm moving. Go, I'm going, so I'll talk about it a little bit. But yeah, um, if I even go to those move, panels. <laughs> moving on, let's let's talk about the issues at hand. <laughs> Zach desperately tried to, as he looks at his clock, to get this show back on the road. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Opening up my issues here. All right. So our our first issue we're covering tonight is going to be Sensational Number Seven. And uh, just to give the audience uh, a little bit of how we're going to structure this show, we're going to talk about, do the rundown, talk about the issue, and, and uh, each individual individually instead of doing them as a group. So, anyway, uh, sensational number seven, August of '96, written by Todd DeZago, Luke Ross did the pencils. Indeed. This is the first uh, post Jurgens issue of Sensational. On the cover, we have, uh, we have, Spider Ben on top of a looks like an antenna pole, reaching down for a guy that that I thought at first glance it was Paul Stacy until I remembered he hasn't appeared yet. It's actually a, <laughs> it's actually a middle aged man with a mustache, but we'll get to that in a minute. The issue is called High Drama. It's written by Todd Desaro and penciled by Luke Ross, like Zach mentioned, but he also failed to mention it was inked by Al Williamson and colored by Gregory Wright. Good old Williamson pulling double duty this month because he also inked. Uh, Adjectiveless, I believe. Yes, sir. All right, so the issue begins. Ben is is racing across town, and this is Luke Ross before his style settled in. Yeah. So this is very much a uh, uh, poor man's Jim Lee version of Luke Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Just to warn everyone ahead of time. So he's swinging across town as get there quickly as, as he can to get to the hospital. He bursts through the door doing some kind of awkward-looking pirouette, yelling, Mary Jane! Mary Jane! Mary Jane! Ah, <laughs> uh, there's that old chest. <laughs> he okay. It's just a regular old Mary Jane with big letters. But I we haven't done that in a while, so I had to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the low hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that bit when I was playing uh, Spider Man: Edge of Time. There's a bit where Spider Man 2099, who's voiced by Christopher Daniel Barnes in that game, is looking for Mary Jane, and he almost gets there. He starts yelling Mary Jane. I'm like, did, did they do it? Did they do it? Oh, they didn't quite get there. But it was still good, nonetheless. Anyway, so he finds uh, Mary Jane as, as she's uh, standing outside of Peter's hotel room. Uh, hotel room, my God. <laughs> outside of his hospital. Ho- ho- hotel day hospital. <laughs> <laughs> this hotel, which is full of six... We ought to, we ought to mention that he, he collapsed at the end of uh, Adjective with 70. Yes. This is picking up right from there, even though there's been a few issues. No, no, that's not true, because he got wheeled into the hospital in uh, the previous uh, spectacular issue. Yeah. And I believe this is the first one after that. So he's he's freshly in the hospital now. So Mary Jane fills him in on what happened. Uh, Peter collapsed on the on the floor of the kitchen and all that stuff. They go in, and Peter is... Peter collapsed on the streets. <laughs> I took him to my clinic. Uh, they go into the room, and of course Peter is there, looking actually looking rather content with himself. I'm guessing this because they're pumping him full of morphine. Mm-hmm. That's just how you get. 
Yep. And uh, as they're there, you know, consoling Pete, talking to him, things like that, getting getting across the idea that perhaps he suffered from uh, from clone degeneration, and that this could be his last uh, his last rites here. Suddenly, a conga line of Peter's friends start coming in. First, Flash Thompson. What the hell is Flash wearing? It looks like he's wearing. Okay, it changes from from shot to shot. I thought at first he was wearing a shirt with with. Uh, with a Huey on it, you know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. But then when you see it from the back, it's like a regular face with a with a cap, so it's just like, Ugh. Anyway. I, I thought it was Mr. Met at first, on the front. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, it could be, except that on the back, it, it doesn't look anything like him. He has skin color. I don't know. It's just something weird. So anyway, uh, uh, Flash is there. And then we start having a bunch of other people, Liz Osborne and Normie, who looks nothing like Normie usually does. Uh, you have... Uh, Joe Robertson with an arm around Betty Brant, which I thought was weird. Uh, Betty. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, more people start coming in. You got uh, the black cat. You've got uh, Ken Ellis for some reason. And Ben describes a nice scene as more people start coming in, like uh, Angela again. And I think Ben Urich also come in. And he starts describing the scene as they're all coming in saying hello to Peter, not because they feel obligated to, but because he's their friend. And they start introducing him to Ben as his cousin from upstate and all that stuff. And it's actually a pretty nice scene. Or it would be if, if the, some nurse, some battle-axe nurse didn't come in and tell everybody to leave, which she does. Then Ben offers to start taking some samples so he can figure out exactly what's going on with Peter, when suddenly Ken Ellis runs in saying, oh my god, you gotta get there. Somebody's about to jump from the roof of the Rand building three blocks over. So Ben goes, before we actually backtrack slightly, we're treated to a short little bit where where Robbie tells Mary Jane that he hasn't seen Jonah. I'm surprised he hasn't been here tonight. More on that later. So Ben swings over to the Rand building. How many Rand buildings are there in comics? It comes up a lot. Uh, yeah. And there's a guy, just a middle-aged, mustachioed guy, who somehow managed to climb all the way to the top of the antenna of the Rand building. Ben realizes, oh my god, I'm the only one who can get to him. Yeah, you're Spider-Man, of course you are. So he climbs up to the top, and the guy is basically he's there to... This is confusing to me. So he's there to jump to his death, right? But why did he climb to the top of the antenna to do that? Wouldn't that actually... You're going the wrong way, dude. You jump off of the roof, not go oh, up he... higher. Oh, he just wants attention. <laughs> yeah, so there are news helicopters circling around, and he's barely hanging on. Again, for somebody who wants to die, he's making quite an effort not to be killed by this. When uh, Ben makes a really dumb joke about Grey Poupon, and then starts offering to help this guy, when suddenly... One of the helicopters gets caught in, like, a crosswind and crashes into a building in a fiery explosion in which no one is killed. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> you could not get this into a comic today. Yeah, the, the, the shot of the explosion, it looks like everyone on board w- would be killed instantly and about half the people in the building, but apparently no one at all dies. But I guess that's a spoiler. So Ben grabs uh, this, this uh, guy whose name is... He learns his name is George... And he swings this, uh, George, down to inside of the building where the helicopter just crashed so that he can save some of the people out of there. It turns out there are four people in the chopper. One of them has injuries to his arm. The other two are fine. But the poor pilot, he's barely hanging on. So, of course, you know, you got the usual shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. <clears throat> hey, Farva, 
What's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? No! Oh. You're talking about shenanigans, right? Put those away! The helicopter starts shaking around, and they do a thing where at the same time, Peter's condition's getting worse. So Ben is, is desperately trying to save people, while at the same time, the doctors are desperately trying to save Peter. Somebody falls out of the helicopter, just as uh, Ben manages to get the rest of them to safety. So he jumps down after him, thankfully never mentions Gwen Stacy, because I thought that's where they were going with this. He, he does something where he shoots his web onto the corner of a building, and he uses the momentum to swing down and to catch the guy and all that stuff. Good stuff. At the same time, the... Uh, the guy, uh, George, was about to commit suicide. Turns out he knows CPR, so he's he's helping the uh, one of the guys who's the pilot. the pilot, who, of course, was severely injured. And he start, he's, he's working, he's working. Oh my god, he's got his pulse back! Ben catches the guy. Peter's condition is stabilized. Everything's turning out A-OK. So Ben goes back, uh, you know, George is like, you know, oh, well, I realize. What I learned today is... Commanding suicide would be a really stupid thing, so so I decided not to. And he's like, all right, that's it, George. You the man! No, no, Spidey. You the man. The 90s. The 90s. Yeah, the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> all he needed was, was uh, some hip-hop music to take us out to the end credits. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the Renault Diamond Exchange, well, what, what's going on here? Apparently, the shocker knocked over the Diamond Exchange while Ben was busy with all this other stuff. More my, father, my father used to have a booth there. <laughs> really? Sure he did. <laughs> oh, there's so many racist jokes. I can't go there right now. Uh, so, uh, somebody comes into Peter's room. Mrs. Parker? Yes? Could you step out to the hall here for a moment? I want to introduce you to one of the specialists we brought to look over your husband's case. This is Dr. Kurt Connors. Dun, dun, dun! And that is how the issue ends. Actually, it actually ends with him introducing himself to Mary Jane, and I... Is this real? Is this actually the first time Kurt Connors and Mary Jane... I think so. (laughs) Really? That's surprising to me. I thought that might have been a mistake, but I can't tell. I didn't have time to research this. Yeah, we may have to ask for Tony. (laughs) Who's not on this episode? Really quick, uh, just wanted to follow up. I did ask for Tony this question, and... There was some off-panel meetings, like around the 30th anniversary special, but there was never an official introduction, so, yeah. For some reason, Mary Jane was at uh, Billy's birthday party, for reasons. So, there you go. But I don't think, at the time, she actually had met Kurt. So, technically, this should be the first meeting. I know. <laughs> but I'm so, t- I'm, I, may, I, I may or may not be texting Bertoni at this very moment. <laughs> He's he's sitting there doing his job. Like, why the hell are you bothering me with this? (laughs) Because he's the historian. So, um, I have one comment. George is so under arrest, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, he walks away. He's like, "Ah, Spidey, I'm doing a okay. He has his jacket over his shoulder. He walks slightly out of frame, and the cops just start pistol whipping him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you caused a helicopter crash that almost killed four people and blew into a building causing millions in property damage and injuring dozens of people inside. But he's having a good day. He's having a good day, so everything's okay. Hey, hey, a few years ago up here in Westchester, we had a guy shut down traffic all across the county because he had to shut down the Tappan Zee Bridge because he was threatening to jump off of it. They got him, they talked him down after a few hours, but but he was arrested and I heard he was fined about 40 grand. (laughs) 
Ooh, that hurts. Mm. So yeah, George is so under arrest. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, alright. Greg, give us your thoughts on this issue. Well, um, not too much to say about it. It seems like a fairly generic Spider-Man adventure. I mean, obviously you have the Peter Parker drama and Spider-Man going out and you know, and helping someone. I mean, this is a the sort of story. I mean, it, in a way, it reminds me of Superman and All Star Superman talking that girl off of out of committing suicide, but with a lot less carnage involved. <laughs> also, he doesn't really talk him out of committing suicide. He just sort of grabs him. Yeah, and then and then the guy performs CPR, realizes he's worthwhile. But I just. I mean, I look at the guy walking away at the end, and uh, you know, I feel sympathy for people who have been who have felt suicidal. I mean, I've got to. I mean, we've all been there at some at some point. I mean, I understand depression, but I'm like, dude. I mean, at least at least something. I mean, I don't need to see the guy getting arrested, but at least have the guy mention it. You know, he's gonna go see a therapist, get some help. Yes. Something. There there are no consequences at all to his a suicide attempt. I mean, I, just brushed aside with no care for any of the thought that should go behind it and stuff. I mean, I felt his heart was in the right place, but they didn't fully think out the full consequences of this uh, action. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to give it a B. I mean, it's a nice issue, but... What do you think of uh, Luke Ross coming in? Oh, I like Luke Ross. I like him better later on, but... But I'm a fan of Luke Ross. I mean, it gets better when we get to the end of the of the Ben Riley era, and especially during his run on Spectacular during the uh, post Clone Saga pre reboot era. But I like Luke Ross. I, although at this point, all everyone's grins make them look evil. But Gerard, <laughs> uh, your thoughts? Um, so to dovetail off of what Greg said, I think my biggest problem with this issue, which by the way is just kind of a forgettable one, aside from the Peter stuff. Um, yeah, they, they they approach a rather touchy subject, but they don't make much of any effort to actually address it with any kind of nuance. It's just, this guy's committing suicide, let me just snatch him down, and then, oh, he's worthwhile. Everything worked out in the end. That's not how it, that's not at all how it goes. And it reminded me, and I keep bringing up Spider-Girl all episode, sorry, I, I know I, I don't do this on purpose, but it reminds me of in Spider Girl they did a they did a couple of stories where uh, it turns out one of her classmates named Sandra Healy was being beaten by her boyfriend, and rather than just brush it aside by having you know Spider Girl smack the guy around, they actually addressed some of the psychological problems that come from that kind of thing, or right. or where that behavior comes from and how to address it, and and they made an, an active attempt to reach out to their own audience and say, look, if you're in this situation, just remember it's so, you know, you know what I mean? They, they, yeah. they took the steps to actually make sure that when they were going to be using that kind of subject matter, that they approached it correctly. And it just feels weird that in the middle of this bombastic clone saga story, you got this whole thing with the guy committing suicide. It's just brushed to the side like it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Because much like Greg, I have been there too, and it's not... Uh, I think all three members of this of this podcast have been there. Yeah, exactly. And it's not it, it's not a it's not a subject that you should that should be taken lightly. Yeah. Um. I I mean, if there was a con to this issue, that would be probably it. I I don't think that was the intention. I think you know they were trying to tell us tell a story that was. It's it's kind of saccharine sweet version of of suicide. Yeah, it's very. There's no maliciousness intended here. Yeah. I'm not saying they did that on purpose. I'm saying you got to put a little more effort into it. 
Yeah. Or, be- and, or better uh, yet, don't do this during the Clone Saga when you know you can't take the time to actually do it yeah. correctly. And even then, all they had to do is, I don't need to see the guy get arrested, but if he had said something about, you know, I'm going to go see a therapist or something, that's all you needed. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe even have Ben drop him off at a therapist's office. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it felt like they got like three quarters of the way through what they intended to do. Right. But I, I think they were trying to do It's a Wonderful Life Spider-Man version. But oh, they've done doesn't. that much better to, although elsewhere, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. Have. but uh, so, uh, other than that, um, to be honest, aside from the scenes with Peter in the hospital, this could very well have just been an inventory story. It had that kind of feel to it. Yeah, Espe- it's very much a filler, and and especially considering that the last issue was the, was Dan Jurgens's last issue, and he suddenly left halfway through yeah. reading this. I thought, is this a touched up inventory story where they just took whatever the B plot of that inventory was and just replaced it with the Peter stuff. I guess we'll never um, know, but... Uh, I, I, you get that feeling, too, because remember, this was the fill-in issue, and they were going to bring back um, Jurgens to write with uh, Luke Ross drawing, mm-hmm. and then they ended up not happening, and Dezago ended up they ended up bringing in uh, um, Mike Ringo next month. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean... Th- What's your grade? Uh, this is flat C. It's it's it's, a, it's just a nothing story. I want to give it a B minus. Um, it's I, I'm really going to echo a lot of you guys' sentiment. I I like the artwork. Um, the story itself is not that grand. It kind of served to serve the purpose with Peter to to get him from point A to point B, bring in Kirk Connors, which is going to obviously play in two weeks from when this was released, whenever. Uh, we do start talking about the lizard, but uh, yeah, I mean it's not a bad story. Um, it's serviceable, so uh, a B minus. Oh, one big positive I did forget to mention. Sorry to step in on you like that. Sure. Uh, I really did like the hospital scene where all of Peter's friends started coming in. It got. And I like. It was a little. It was a little. Uh, it was a little saccharine and, and sugar coaty, but. It, 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 we needed a moment like that in the Clone Saga, considering what what's been behind us and what's coming ahead. Yeah, and I the other thing that I do like about that scene is is that it introduces Ben to the rest of um, Peter's supporting cast. Yes, and including future girlfriend Betty Brant. <laughs> yes, yes, I was going to bring that up. Betty Brant and uh-huh. Ben Riley first meet up. This is this is where she has her eye on him. And then he's marked for death. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's why he died. It's because of Betty, Betty Brant. It's because of Betty Brant. So, uh, so not a bad issue. It's it's serviceable. It's it's worth picking up in the in the dollar bin. Or if you pick up the trade. Yeah, if you pick up if you're if you're picking up the Ben Riley trades, it is Ben Riley Epic Book Number Five that we're in. This entire episode is in that same is in that same volume. Uh, all right, so deadly is Delilah is the next story. Gerard also has that recap. <laughs> Zach deliberately picked me for this one because he knows I love Delilah for no logical yes. reason. <laughs> this is from the cover from Darkness Strikes Delilah, where she's jumping from behind uh, Spider Ben with knives in each hand, looking like she's about to stab the hell out of him with boob window. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll talk about her costume, which, again, I have no idea why, but I love her costume, except for the stupid uh, silk scarf things on her arms. We'll get to that. So we begin, as we always do at the beginning. Stanley presents a most offbeat tale starring the amazing Spider-Man. It's called Deadly as Delilah, written by Tom DeFalco, penciled by Mark Bagley. This is Bagley's second to last issue, I believe. Uh, Ink- <laughs> he took one look at this and said, what's this Delilah crap? That's it about. <laughs> that, didn't ha- that, that did not happen. Uh, inked by Larry Malstead and colored by Bob Sharon. So Delilah is, is a singer coming on stage at a club that's full of Goombas. And I don't mean the, the Super Mario kind. I mean the uh, Italian-American kind. And she's, she's getting up on stage talking about how she wants all the little boys in the audience to go home because she only performs for men, real men. And I thought this issue was going somewhere else. I'm like, wait, is she a stripper? <laughs> What's going on here? But it turns out she says she's not your typical songstress because she's there to whack somebody. She pulls her, her suspiciously knife-like uh, 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 microphone and just stabs the guy right in the back. <laughs> and then, of course, she breaks her necklace apart, starts stabbing other guys with it, and she clears the room very quickly. Then she goes out to a limousine where I guess her employer is waiting for her. To, Another to, mystery shadow man. I mean, the clone saga is full of them. So mystery shadow man handing her a rose. Hmm. Actually, there's not much mystery here. They, they reveal who it is by the end of the issue. Thank God. <laughs> this does not turn into another one of the let's wait around three months to find out. And he hands her a photo of her next assignment. It is, drumroll please, Shirley's ex-husband. <laughs> da, da, da. The guy who we were introduced to uh, in, during last month's issues, I believe. Yes. With the with the really bad uh, shaved sides of the heads, uh, yes. Anyway, we so we cut to the the uh, Peter in his hospital room as he's been for a while now, and uh, Ben standing there next to him, and the the usual scene, you know, Ben talking to Mary Jane, nothing particularly noteworthy about this one, except once again. Uh, Robbie comes by to see if anything has changed with Peter, and he mentions, by the way, has Jonah come here? Because you know we still haven't seen him. More of this later. Uh, so Ben takes off to go do Spider-Man things. When he hears some sirens, he comes across, Somebody's been robbed! And uh, it, uh, I, I'm guessing it's like Max Jewelry Store, but the way the sign is cut off, it says Max Jew, which made me laugh <laughs> uproariously. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if somebody mentions, like, what what somebody with using ridiculous rings against me and he says oh my goodness is the ringer involved here just add him to the list shocker will of the wisp and dragon man i would suspect a mandarin also i have no idea why he he put dragon man and will of the wisp involved with this because that was completely unrelated to these mystery crimes that are happening aren't they yes i think this is the only issue that mentions dragon man and will of the wisp being involved with this stuff i think that might have just been a goof yeah, but anyway, sure. so uh, Ben goes to work, and Shirley's cleaning up a spill. Ben asks her if she wants some help, and she snaps at him for no good reason. The oh god, who the hell's the, the oh Buzz is telling him that like oh you know she's been irritable all day. Just let her go. Delilah, uh, Delilah, oh my god, Desiree comes in. <laughs> if Delilah just walked into the the coffee shop, this would be a very different. Everyone, story. every everyone would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Desiree walks in. She said, uh, you can start by drawing me a vanilla latte, top with cinnamon. So, of course, Ben does the absolute dumbest thing that a guy can do, 
when when confronted by a beautiful woman who's interested in you, which is ask her about another woman, <laughs> which he does. He asks her about Jessica Carradine for some reason in the epic brain fart of brain farts. So of course Desiree gets pissed and leaves. Smooth. So then, uh, <laughs> really, really, let me interject. Would you want to go out with someone who says perfection stands before you, and you ask about her? You don't want to go out with anyone that conceited. Well, no, but you want to burn her at least once. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh college was a fun time for me. Anyway, uh, back to the issue. So, by the way, uh, Shirley mentions that uh, her ex-husband came by, and Garon is his name. I forgot earlier. And uh, he, he's hanging out with his son, Devon. So Ben, being the creeper that he is, decides to go keep tabs on them, see what they're doing. And they're just sort of staying around Central Park, doing a very awkward job of attempting to bond, as Ben watches from the bushes in a Craven the Hunter-like scene. It's exactly like that shot that they kept using in the 90s show. So uh, a woman in a high heels pushing a baby carriage who has a long ponytail that looks suspiciously uh, villain-like pushes the carriage forward towards them. Ben's like, what the hell? So he jumps out from the bushes, grabs the carriage, flings it up into the air, and of course it's a bomb. Kablooey! Somebody was trying to kill uh, Garrett. Imagine if it was actually Baby, if it was that scene from Go- <laughs> Game of Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> Take Lash, he looked into the carriage to make sure it was a bomb. But that would have been hysterical if he threw a baby up in the air and then, and then realizes this is a baby. He's like, oh, oh crap. Because, you know, he would have caught it. It would have been fine. I'm not advocating baby murder people. Calm down. So, uh, somebody's like, oh my god, somebody's targeted, Devon says, somebody's targeted you, Dad, if it hadn't been for Spider-Man. So, of course, like any responsible father, he pulls a gun out in front of his son and then goes charging after the person who tried to blow him up, leaving the kid alone in Central Park. Actually, no, uh, uh, he leaves him with Spider-Man, but Spider-Man follows him. So, of course, like any irresponsible kid, the kid follows Spider-Man. They all go into the sewer where Spider-Man confronts uh, Garon for... Oh, oh, sorry. Got to backtrack a second. There's a short interstitial scene where uh, Robbie finally has enough, and he just... His display of, my God, is he has powerful legs. I didn't realize he was this strong. He kicks down the door to Jonah's office and runs in and finds it ransacked, and Jonah is missing. My God, what's going on? Uh, so they're, they're in the sewer... And of course, again, this guy will learn about it at the end of the issue why he shouldn't be doing this. But he's walking around in the sewer with his gun yelling, Show yourself! Like a really idiot. You're supposed to be sneaking around, dude. So Spider-Man confronts him, and, you know, they're talking about... This is a very brightly lit sewer. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Isn't that always how it is with sewers, though? Yeah. For some reason, people think that that water is like radioactive and just glows all the time because in the sewers and in comic books and movies and cartoons, there's always a, a, a light coming from beneath the water for some reason. I don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. And this scene is lit exactly like that as well. So, of course, uh, they start arguing, but are interrupted by Delilah wearing her villain costume, which I have to describe. It's as if you took a, a Power Girls like outfit. Yeah, you cut out. It's in addition to having the the boob window, which uh, shows off the assets, and boy, what assets she has! You also cut out holes for the shoulders. She has like a sort of like a, how would you describe it? She has like a, a arm bracers, and then she has these like stripper thigh high boots that are cut in an angle, 
and her arms yeah. are connected to the back of the the sort of uh, unitard piece by some like purple silk scarves, and the entire thing is in different shades of purple. Great costume, yeah. I gotta say. Uh, not for the character, of course, as we'll find out, <laughs> but, but great costume anyway. So, and she has her hair tied down to a ponytail now, instead of long like earlier. So she says, <laughs> "I have to, I have to mention this line. Delilah only plays with. Oh, sorry. I usually love it when males vie for my affections, but you're squabbling like little boys. Delilah only plays with men. <laughs> Let's see if either of you are worth my time, effort, or passion." And she throws something at him. It's like, geez. Laying it on thick there, DeFalco. So there's a whole there's a whole battle. She throws some smoke out. Uh, you know, she's talking to them while she's firing at them. And I, I haven't mentioned it yet, but random words of her speech are highlighted in different font, in yeah. like bigger words and like a more uh, fancy looking font. I have no idea how we're supposed to read this. Neither. I would love to hear a voice actress and a voice director try to interpret this. The way I assumed it was was that she randomly was sing-songing certain words. But there are no uh, songs. I like a man who's strong and agile, <laughs> Spider-Man, but you react a bit too quickly for my taste. <laughs> See, now... <laughs> um, okay, anyway. So she starts firing guns at him, you know, etc. Spider-Man pulls Garon the safety out of the smoke and such, but they discover that, whoops, Devon is over there. So, of course, uh, Delilah, in a display of lightning quickness, in a space of off-panel, manages to grab the kid, go to higher ground through the pipes, and dramatically pose at the top, pointing a gun at him. And she's like, in a, in a display of genre savvy that's unusual for a character like her, she's like, alright, look, I'm just, I'm just trying to threaten the kid so I can get out of here at this point. <laughs> so, of course, you know, uh, because Garon's kind of a D-bag, he decides to try to negotiate with her even though she has a gun to his kid's head. And Ben calls him out on this. She, she says, all right, fine, I'll tell you who hired me. It was Hammerhead. And then tosses the kid over. So, of course, Ben has to save him and giving the giving uh, Delilah the opportunity to get away. Ben then gets pissed, grabs Garon by the, by the uh, shirt, and says, what the hell were you doing, dude? So, of course, the guy reveals that he's actually assigned to Task Force 7, a special unit devoted to organized crime. Yes, that's right, he's a detective! And then they, they throw in some vague implication that Spider-Man was being racist, because he's like, you know, you saw a black man with a nice suit, and you just assumed. And Ben's like, ooh, he gets all uncomfortable about it. But anyway, uh, so the detective leaves this kid. And up at the surface, he's talking about how, uh, you know, this is why... It, 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 basically, this is an attempt to explain away all of the stuff that all of his previous behavior saying that this is the reason why your, your mom doesn't like me because my work is dangerous that's why we divorce and all that stuff and of course the kid now wants to be with his dad and like earlier when he was trying to avoid him and uh you know garo just turns around and walks off into the bushes as the kid uh, disappointedly hangs his head in shame so the kid starts walking home again unattended in new york city and ben riley approaches and says oh you know i'll be your friend i'll walk with you I should mention Central Park and uh, uh, Washington Square are nowhere near each other. Nope. So this kid must... Wow, like... <laughs> that's a long walk, man. <laughs> that's a good 50 blocks. Yeah. Yeah, you failed geography, uh, DeFalco. Sorry. Finally, we get the last little, little uh, coda of our issue where Delilah goes back to her employer, who's strangely okay with the fact that... Uh, 
she didn't uh, take care of the guy, but she the the her employer is happy about the fact that she gave up Hammerhead's name instead of telling her who she's actually working for. So he gives her a rose again, and of course, yes, the rose motif made it obvious. Her her employer is in fact the rose, the purple masked business white business suit wearing uh, crime lord that we've seen since what the eighties. Yeah, by Defalco, by the way. Yep. End of the issue. That is the end of the issue. All right, George, give us your thoughts. Oh, I love this issue. <laughs> but you knew I would. <laughs> I, that, that, why do you think I gave it to you? <laughs> Full disclosure, I originally Don was going to do the previous issue, and then I gave Gerard this issue. Very specifically. Normally I give him, like, adjective lists, because I know he loves the Romita Jr. Mackie run. But I'm like, no. There's one person that needs to review this issue. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why, but I've always liked Delilah as a character. Now, now I need to yep. stress here, um, she looks pretty different in her subsequent appearances. They drop a lot of the uh, sort of... Hypersexualization? Well, no, they don't. Not really. But in terms of her visual design, she gets a lot more like, more like a buff enforcer type character later on which isn't really apparent here that she's like supposed to be jacked as hell and she can basically physically stand up to people you don't get that impression in this story here she's more of just a gun wielding knife wielding assassin but either way it works to be honest she also shows up later in spider girl which is probably another reason why i like her a lot but anyway so uh we got this bagley second to last issue he's on fire here this is a really good artwork in this lots of dynamic lighting and good motion and stuff and the fight, the whole action set piece in the sewers is, is really cool as well. But the thing I like the most about this is that you're getting a really good use of, of characters here, especially Ben Riley's supporting cast. I, I, I'm interested to know what's going on with uh, Detective Lewis here. And I don't... Uh, Zach, you gotta help me out here. I don't, I don't recall them doing a whole hell of a lot with him after this. Am I wrong? Am I just remembering that incorrectly? Uh, he doesn't make another appearance, I don't think. Wait, wait, this is his last appearance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Yep. <laughs> I think this got dropped. This definitely got dropped after Clone Saga. Oh, that hurts. Because because I was actually interested in this. I really was. And the it whole- certainly humanized it, it, it humanized Shirley. And it humanized Devin a lot. Well, she didn't need humanization, so to speak. I think you're using the wrong word there. It's more like um, it added another dimension to their characters because before they would just she would just rarely ever mention that she was divorced and stuff, and you got yeah. yet she was struggling for one. Now you know what was going on, and that you know he was a detective, and that they probably divorced. It's implied. I don't think it's ever outright stated that they divorced because his job was too stressful for her, and she needed to get Devon out of that environment. Well, I mean, you're trying to raise a kid, and, and he's, huh, you know, when you're a cop, you have a you have a target on your back anyway. Yeah, and especially and, him because he's working on like a specialized task force. Yes, I mean, my best friend, uh, he's wanted to go on SWAT for years, but his wife has just been very resistant to it because of the danger that's involved. Right, and. So I mean that's a very that's a very common thing amongst cop families, and it's, it, it is definitely a stressor. 
I mean, usually you see um, one of two things. You either see a, a, a mom or a mother that isn't, that's a stay-at-home mom or whatever. And then you see a lot of um, parents, if they've got two-income households, they're like nurses and things like that because there's a stress thing that they can relate to. And obviously, if they're an ER nurse, you're going to see a lot of cops, mm-hmm. especially if you're in a trauma hospital. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's an easy way to meet. But, um, yeah, I, the, I, I actually like this uh, enhancement. You, you, you said what I would mean, was meaning to say, the enhancement of the characters. Yes. I just wish they would have done more, more with it. Yeah, although um, functionally it gets the job done because he basically leaves their lives again. But because Shirley and Devon are mostly dropped after the clone saga... Is it Devon or is it Devon? I would assume Devon. Mainly because I watched a lot of WWF in the 90s. (laughs) And I'm just thinking of the Dudleys. But, uh... uh, He leaves their lives again. And I would have liked to have seen the ramifications of that, but this is the point in the clone saga where they start dropping those Ben Riley elements to make way to, to reposition Peter back to being Spider-Man again. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I think this is something that they would have carried through with. And it's one of the, to me, it's one of the, the great missed opportunities of the clone saga that we didn't see more of Shirley and Devon after this. We saw, we, you know, they show up a couple of times, like, but only with Todd DeZago. That's not true. They, they showed up a couple of times in the Mackie uh, JR Jr. Run. Oh, did they? Yeah. Hey, make make me write a Reveus Sam. They'll pop up occasionally. In fact, yeah. I, I remember really specifically. There's a there's an issue of that run that actually ends with Peter and Mary Jane talking about them because they saw them earlier. I think it might be the Juggernaut one. Oh yeah, where where like where Mary Jane's like, you know, we got to make an effort to to really like talk to them once in a while or visit the shop every once in a while to make them part of our lives because Ben would have liked that. Of course, they never see them again. I think that was our last appearance. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that that's one thing. And also, I like, speaking of character stuff, I like that Ben feels guilt over what happened with Jessica. It only, it only got a panel of this. It's when after Desiree walks away from him. I'll read the caption right now. He says, uh, Desiree will never understand my interest in Jessica. She's another lost soul I couldn't help. Another failure in an unending line. Where he looks at it like... This is one of those things that implies... That that makes references to his implied backstory that we haven't gotten. But we get the idea that because the way Ben is in his transient lifestyle, that he's sort of screwed up his relationships with people. Yeah. But unlike most cases, you get the idea here that he actually laments that quite a bit. And that he's starting to see it as a reflection of his own character. Right. And, and again, that's something I would have loved to see more of. I, I, I guess the reason I like this issue so much, and I, I keep droning on and on about how much I like it, is because it, it's this is a good indication to me of what Ben Riley Spider-Man would have been like if it had kept going. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. And, and, and the missed opportunity and the, the sort of... Um, I don't know. I, I get kind of a melancholy feeling thinking about it, but we missed a lot of great stories because of how this ended. And although I liked what we got out of it, which is Peter and Mary Jane together and Peter back being Spider-Man and all that stuff, after years, a couple of years of... Well, the Clone Saga was a mess. I mean, that's not really a surprise, but 
I wish there was an alternate universe where I could have seen more of what happened to Ben and Charlie and Devon and, and Detective Lewis and uh, Desiree and Jessica. And I, I miss these characters a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry to get all uh, uh, melancholic there for a second. I'm giving this one an A+. Love it. All right. Uh, follow that up, Bashansky. <laughs> well, I'm definitely giving it an A. I like it very much. The art is terrific. I love Mark Bagley's artwork. I love it. I adore it. it it's always been a toss-up between him and Romita Sr., over whom my favorite Spider-Man artist is. I still can't decide after all these years. And uh, Delilah is a cool idea. She's a cool visual. I lo- I like her. I wish they had done more with her. I mean, obviously, they do a little bit more with her post-clone saga, but she's one of those characters who disappears. I mean, unless someone who enjoys continuity porn brings her back one day, but... Perish That's thoughts. What? But no, she's a character I wouldn't mind seeing return under under a good writer. He could put, he can make her the hench person. You know, honestly, I'm going to say this. I think I'd rather see her as the uh, current quote unquote kingpin of crime instead of Felicia Hardy. Agreed. Think so, about so, wait, so, slowly roll, kid. Did you just say Felicia Hardy is the kingpin? The, she's the queen Zach. of crime. Oh no! Uh, is this another one of those things like the Soto Wars incident, where I'm just gonna not believe that yeah, you're saying well, it's true? We'll, but it we'll, is. We'll, we will talk about that after the show. I don't want to derail the show. Oh no! Okay, I'm gonna say this. I would if under under a good writer, I like to. See, I wouldn't mind seeing Delilah in that role. I mean, yeah, and and I mean, like I said, the, the art. I mean, it's just such beautiful art. The the pencils, the ink, the coloring. It's uh. Art-wise, this is a perfect issue. Script-wise, I have nothing to complain about. Delilah's cool. The action is cool. I mean, I like the father-son relationship here, and uh, I give it an A. But, uh, Zach, help me out here. But uh, Delilah, when she shows up in Spider-Girl, she's getting kind of close to what Greg was describing, because as I, rec- I don't recall this clearly, but I think she shows up in the role of... There's a bunch of crime bosses who are trying to to cede control after Kingpin dies. And I seem to remember that she was one of them. She was. She shows up as like a crime boss in the MC2 universe, yeah. but you don't see a lot of her. I think she only shows up a couple of times. Just yeah. just as a candidate, it's sort of like how they brought back Jacob Conover and all these guys as Hobgoblin uh, you know, suspects around the time that Hobgoblin Lives <laughs> happened. They brought in a whole yeah. bunch of people to be potential Kingpins in, in MC2, and she's one of them. Yeah, speaking of Jacob Conover... That's who the Rose is. Ah, spoilers! <laughs> but that's way after the Clone Saga, though. This is like so anticlimactic. This is like the very end of the um, second DeFalco run. Yeah, that 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 was one that I just assumed they had to throw out because they were about to do the reboot. So they figured, okay, we better we better reveal this now. Yeah, because it's their only chance we'll have. I actually yeah. almost wonder if they, I mean, if the reboot didn't happen, would we have gotten a New Roads, Roderick Kingsley alliance again? Possibly. Possible. Yeah, possibly. Um, in terms in terms of my thoughts on the issue, the, uh, the, the panel where Ben is saying, hit the ground, now! That was like one of the very first Spider-Man images that I think I put up on Spider-Dash-Dude. Nice. And so I have a lot of nostalgic feelings when I read this issue because it brings back a lot of a flood of memories for me. Love the issue. Love Delilah. 
I, I kind of view her costume as a as a cross between Power Girl and um uh did you ever play Street Fighter? Of course. Yeah. Okay, you remember the blonde you remember the um, Street Fighter 2, the blonde hair girl? Cammy White. Cammy White. It's kind of a cross between Cammy White's costume and Power Girl. Except with boots. Yeah, with boots. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the, the vibe I got. And that ponytail is impossibly long. <laughs> Can we just say like 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 it like when you look at the beginning of the issue and you're like, okay, that her hair is pretty long, but it's like the ponytail goes all the way down to her butt. Which is notable because her in the opening scene her hair isn't that long. <laughs> yeah. Her, like, her, her her hair goes back to like Magly <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, um, okay. But anyway. Um, uh, to be fair, the, the ponytail could be an extension. Yeah. Because the rest of her hair is short. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I like the character. I like I like the Rose. I think I like what DeFalco was setting up in this issue. Because, I mean, this is, this is an important issue for the rest of his run. I mean, the, the villain and the, and the mob boss appear throughout the rest of the Clone Saga and the rest of... DeFalco's run, so this is a this is a kind of a hallmark issue. I'm going to give it an A plus. Uh, nothing wrong with it. It's it's one of the best. It's one of the best. Uh, I think it's one of Bagley's best run issues. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I would agree with that. I think he had a lot of. It seems like you can tell he had a lot of fun with uh, with, with Delilah, <laughs> which makes it fun, which makes it funny because next issue he's out of here. <laughs> Yeah, but that—that's actually to me that's that's not because of Delilah. It's because of that's yeah, Clone Saga burnout. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll, to, we'll talk about that with um, next month. Yeah, I mean, I'm again, I I still think it's a he it, couldn't have waited another three issues. He should have been the first one to draw Norman Osborn back. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Who ended up doing? But he's he, gross, I think, right? Steve Gross did it, and I think he jumped from ASM to Thunderbolts. Yep. And Leaves that them. was... Which was a great book, by the way. The, those classic Kurt Busiek, Mark Bagley, Thunderbolts comics. Great book. I just bought the three, three trades recently, and I read them. Great stuff. If you've never read well, them, grab them. And when you when you think about it, I mean, you're going from Amazing Spider-Man to a brand new number one. I can I can see why you laugh. Team book, too. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 as, as an artist, you got to stress that one. That's a very different challenge to drawing a street level like solo character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of artists have admitted they can't do it. Yeah, next month on ASM onslaught, and I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to say about that. <laughs> Hold on now, which which uh, Spider-Man issues have onslaught? I know Adjectiveless and Amazing are those the only two? Yes. Yeah. And and uh, the Swarm story. I think uh, touches upon it before, right? Well, it's probably mentioned, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the cliffhanger at the very end. Okay. Yeah, yeah a bit of a preview. I'll talk about this more next time, next podcast. But um, onslaught is the story that holds a very special significance of being the the story that broke the illusion for me. Really. I'll talk about it more next time. <laughs> interesting. That's an interesting. Yeah, point. onslaught as an event is pretty bad. But I gotta admit, I like both of the amazing, both of the Spider-Man tie-ins a lot. We'll get to oh, that. The, oh, yeah, they were fine, but you know, I, I'll talk about this more next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. All right, so uh, we're gonna jump to Adjective Spider-Man seventy-one. Speaking of Greg, you got the recap of this one. Oh yes. Hold on. Let me start with a brief monologue. I'm not even gonna finish it. 
I believe in America. America has made my fortune, and I raised my daughter in the American fashion. I knew you were going to do this. This is why I had <laughs> I gave her freedom, but I taught her never to sign her family. She found a boyfriend, not an Italian. She went to the movies with him. She sat out late. I didn't protest. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to finish that. <laughs> Everyone knows what this is. <laughs> so we have, we have a pretty cool cover with, um, drawn by John Romita. Although it's a bit hard to tell that's Hammerhead, but we'll get to that. Matters of life and death. Peter's in his hospital bed. Ben Riley, Spider-Man, is fighting. Cyborg. <laughs> Cyborg Hammerhead was not cybernetic. It's, it's, the ni- it's the 90s. And we open in a basement somewhere in New York City. Don Fortunato's basement where a few of his henchmen have kind of pissed him off. So he punishes them by dropping them into a uh, <coughs> pit full of wolves. Not to kill them, just to get banged up and scratched up and mauled for about five minutes. But before he does that, he makes them agree with why they're being dropped in there. And... Uh, Decides to put everything behind them and tells the rest of his men to find Hammerhead and not disappoint him. Meanwhile, at NYU's medical center, Peter Parker is, uh, oh, good Lord, look at the art here. He's, looks like he's <laughs> in the I mean, he looks really, really bad. I mean, his heart rate's all over the place. They're, they're shooting him up with all sorts of drugs. I mean, they're just trying to keep him stabilized. Mm-hmm. And um, MJ asked the doctor <laughs> and... Sorry, I, I, I just got a visual. If you've ever seen the movie The Avenging Disco Godfather, this is like the scene where Bucky starts wigging out after he uh, after he has too much of a... Yeah. Uh, what drug were they doing with that? I don't remember. And, you know, I didn't have time to reread the other issues before that, but it's a good thing we did, because up until now that I'm looking through this again, because I read it a few hours ago, I didn't realize that was Kurt Connors, because, I don't know, I just missed the arm. Or the lack of an arm. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, they, anyway, but Kurt Connors is not sure that Peter's going to make it through the night. I mean, we've had several of these scenes already. And we're going to have several more. And yeah, anyway, this issue is next. Yeah, anyway, Peter's investigating a robbery and everything's covered. All these trains are covered in glue, which makes Ben Riley suspect the trapster. I prefer the name Pace Pop Pete just because it's so goddamn stupid. <laughs> I love that every time he appears from now and, and for the rest of the time, everyone will mention that. As they should. <laughs> I remember the, the, there's a particularly famous uh, crossover between Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four where he's part of the Frightful Four. And at the end of the issue, they when they beat them, the thing is a standard looking at him is like, oh, yeah, yeah, Weren't you, didn't you used to be Pace Pot Pete? That was a goofy, stupid name, wasn't it? I just remember that panel distinctly. It's from my childhood. Yes, uh, and yeah. uh, I, li- I like uh, Ben's line. What is it this time? The nefarious nine, the terrible ten. Guess we'll find out soon enough. And he heads to the hospital again. Meanwhile, the doctor has worked two back-to-back shifts. Lies down where he's accosted by Hammerhead, who points a gun at his chin. So, <clears throat> so yeah, Peter's kind of out of it. He's whispering to MJ and. Ben brings him a teddy bear, and Jesus, Peter, how old are you? Hey, shut your face, man. You, you, you appreciate that kind of thing when you're in trouble. I know, I know, I know. I'm just making a joke, but yeah, he means well, and Ben and Peter have a heart-to-heart where, where, um, he, where Peter asks him to promise to watch out 
for MJ and the baby when he dies because he thinks it's going to be the clone of the generation or something. And of course, Ben's going to do it. He doesn't even need to ask for that because Ben's a good guy and these two are like brothers at this point. And it's a really heartwarming scene. I mean, I like Ben's heart balloon. I'm losing the only brother I've ever known. Um, no, no, no. You've got another brother. He just hates their guts. He just wants to kill you. He's a homicidal <laughs> maniac. <laughs> and even when he stops being a homicidal maniac, he just becomes a giant dick. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And so, uh, a short time later, the doctors finished patching up Hammerhead, who's suffering from a gunshot wound. And Hammerhead ties him up and gags him and leaves him tied. Hey, doctor, don't complain too much. He could have gotten killed. Exactly. And we got a scene with Jimmy Six where he's uh, staking somebody out. I'm no, he's, he, uh, he, he shows up to Ben Riley's apartment because Ben promised that he would uh, give him a place to crash if he needed the help. So, oh, since, right, so yeah. since Ben isn't there, he breaks in. Yeah, and, and Ben Riley meets up with Phil Yurick, who's smoking inside a hospital. I was about to say this. <laughs> like a boss. I was hoping... I was hoping that they would throw in a visual gag where he's next to, like, one of those oxygen bottles that says, like, you know, no open... I know New York smoking bans are relatively new, but I'm pretty sure you couldn't do smoke in a hospital, anywhere in a hospital, in the 90s. Uh, no, I, you could smoke in the hospital, just in certain areas. They yeah, yeah not in the random hallways. <laughs> I can tell you not, that Not in the random, yeah. Yeah, Ben... Not, not outside of a patient's room. Well, you see, no, no, Ben York knows... The Joe Casada's coming, so he's enjoying it while he can. <laughs> uh, I gotta smoke all of these. I have. I gotta get all these smokes out. I have three thousand cartons of Marlboros in my apartment. I gotta smoke them all before the year two thousand one. Uh, and then, not even trying to hide it, Hammerhead grabs Ben Yurick and pulls him into the closet where <coughs> pulls him into the closet. Raid the man to know what he saw. That Daros is gonna kill him, but Spider Man shows up and. Hammerhead reveals his cybernetic armor. Exoskeleton. His exoskeleton, which is made for him by the Tinkerer. And uh, he mentions that he mentions that he, but as far as I was Chickawacky, I'd never send a dame to do what I could do myself. So we got to call back to the last issue, to the last amazing issue. I mean, and my problem with the way Hammerhead is drawn here, even without the armor, is that it's hard to, I like to go to you, but it's hard to tell it is Hammerhead sometimes. He's much bigger than usual. I think that's a good thing, though, because his uh, everyone always drawing him with the complete like flathead look is kind of weird. I like that they at least tried to do something a little different. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. This is like one of the redesigns of the '90s that I wouldn't have mind seeing like stay. Yeah. Well, not the not the cyborg part. <laughs> no, <laughs> the exoskeleton no. part, but the the not the not wearing the the twenty suit flathead look. Yeah, so we get a pretty cool fight scene that ends when uh, Hammerhead pulls a gun and opens fire in a room with some oxygen tanks because apparently Phil Yurick's, no, no, Ben Yurick's cigarettes couldn't do the job and <laughs> and it explodes and Hammer. It's because Betty Brant's not there. Yes, there you go. She would have got the job done. It explodes and Hammerhead is vanished and uh, Spidey runs into Peter's room and he sees a bunch of docs. No, Spider-Man runs into Peter's room and he sees a bunch of doctors exiting and peter is flatlining and uh that's the issue and i like it nothing bad to say about it about it i like the art i love john romita jr not as much as i love mark bagley but he does some good good work and i I definitely like this better than the uh, first issue reviewed with with george the suicide jumper because at least the the other story is tied into what's going on with Peter. It's still in the same. It's still in the hospital. It doesn't feel like a complete non sequitur. Yeah, I, uh, I, 
this is a lot better of an issue. Um, what, what's your grade? A minus. Okay, uh, Gerard, your thoughts? Uh, this is a pretty good issue, I gotta say. Um, as I uh, casually post a link in here, uh, <laughs> in case you didn't get the reference, uh, I like. Of course, you got Jr. Jr. Top form here with well, Alan Williamson inks. Good, great looking stuff. Um, the opening sequence with Fortunato is super chilling. Oh yeah, like that whole opening speech. That's why I love the character. That that is the best scene with Fortunato. Yes, uh, that they ever do. Greg wasn't far off with the whole uh, Godfather thing. This is a very Godfather esque, like like these speeches he gives at the beginning about how Gentlemen, how the worst thing Bishop, exactly how the, the worst thing you can do is disappoint me. Yep, and the, the whole backstory for you've disappointed me, Lessa. And also, if you've ever had your parents actually say you've disappointed me, that is actually the most hurtful thing they can tell you. It really is. Um, the, I like that there is use, of course besides the bond between Peter and MJ which is always apparent when the characters are together when they're when they're written correctly this is a good this is a good example of a, of the sort of unspoken bond between Peter and Ben as brothers where you get to see you rarely get a moment to slow down in the clone saga and that's why I like these hospital scenes as overused as they are in these issues there are too many of them but I like that they're there because they slow the pace down and just let the characters breathe a little bit and you get a lot of that yeah. in this issue with with them with, with uh, Ben at Peter's bedside as he makes the promise and all that stuff which I really liked there's so many hospital scenes in these issues you think Aunt May was still alive <laughs> oh, not for long. Uh, oh although one thing that I did hate was that they had Peter do some some good old character shilling in that scene, where he's like, "You're a better Spider-Man than I ever was." And I'm like, "Shut up." <laughs> to be fair, it's Peter. That's the sort of thing Peter would say in that situation to Ben Riley, to the guy who considers his brother. He would say that even if he didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "You're a better Spider-Man than I ever was." And Ben leaves around <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> anyway, uh, one other positive thing I got to say is that um, the the that's well to, be, well. to be fair, though, he didn't make a deal with Venom. He didn't make a deal with Venom at all. So I can't really disagree. <laughs> you got a point there, son. Uh, and even Ben Riley referenced that particular fact when he fought Venom. <laughs> oh God! I I and I like the the death scene they gave Peter here. And there's a subtle thing that they did, which I'm not even sure you guys noticed. And if you didn't, that's okay, because I'm going to point it out anyway. The The whole thing is done with the classic nine-panel layout, because it's eight, because they combine the last two panels. And you've got the whole monitor thing, you've got the line going across, you've got the little heart indicator. They don't have any copy on this page for, like, you know, the end, to be continued, next issue, any of that stuff. It just ends with the flat line. Uh-huh, I did notice that. Very, yeah. very clever booking there, Mackie. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's issues like this that make me think Mackie gets a really unfair bad rap. I mean, granted, I know where it comes from. It comes from his last year or so on the title. But <laughs> also, well, there's also he did have a, a problem with rushing to the end of certain stories. And it almost happens here. Thankfully, he gives himself an extra page. For, for yeah. Ben to come running in and then to do the slow sequence with the flatlining. But, yeah, um, 
thankfully he managed to pace his stuff pretty well. It helps that this all basically took place in the hospital, the entire issue. Uh, yeah. Just two random notes that I have to add that have nothing to do with anything, really, but I, I that I thought were pretty funny. Uh, one is, uh, Ben makes a reference to Aunt May calling, what was it? Oh, I have to I have to set this up. Way back in like the drug issues, there was a gag where Aunt May was talking about how they went to go see hair because she was trying to be a little more hep. And Peter couldn't correct her. It's supposed to be he's supposed to be being a little more hip, but he didn't correct her. He's like, ah, I'll just let her go. Ben actually makes a hep reference in this issue. He goes, Isn't it some strange exotic street lingo of which I'm not hep to? And that just made me laugh immediately. I'm like, is that a deliberate callback, or is that just he just coincidentally made the same joke? I don't know. And then uh, <laughs> I, I gotta try to find this page. Hold on. But there's a uh, in this issue, there's a black cop, but for some reason they wrote his dialogue like, like he's a stereotypical Irish cop. Where he's like, I got to grab me nightstick. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> what are they doing? I just thought that was hysterical. Are you insinuating that there are no black people in Ireland? <laughs> I've seen the Andy Richter show. I know that there are. <laughs> oh, that episode is classic, by the way. <laughs> What was it? Uh, oh yeah, he kept making a bunch of he kept making a bunch of Irish jokes in front of like his new supervisor, who was a black guy. I remember that. And yeah. the guy just stops him and goes, "Andy, I'm Irish." And he goes, "You can't be Irish. You're black." And then he just stops and looks around the room and starts noticing like shillelaghs and like shamrocks are everywhere. And he has like he's wearing a green tie. He's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so they force him to go to like. Uh, Counseling, yeah, sensitivity training. Oh, I miss that show so much. Andy Richter controls the universe. I remember it. Look look it up. The episodes are out there in Internet Land somewhere. But uh, yeah, I really like this issue. I thought that uh, thankfully we're almost done with these hospital scenes. They're they're kind of playing out there. Welcome, but they're so good in this issue that I can't really blame it. So I'll give this one a. I'm struggling between B plus and A minus. I think I'll lean B plus. I, I agree with the B plus. I uh, I like this issue. I I like the hammerhead scene. I like the fact that it all took place uh, completely in, nearly completely in the hospital. It gives it, there's some there's some legitimate stakes. It's not these false stakes. Um, Peter Parker dies. Uh, very powerful book. I remember reading this when it came out, as it was coming out, and I just couldn't wait for the next week and and uh, and to see what's going to happen next. And there were, there was some legitimate intrigue when this was coming out. So, uh, like the artwork, the Don Fortunato scene is probably the best Fortunato scene of the entire, uh, Fortunato subplot. Uh, it really drives home the fact that this is a magnificent bastard. And, uh, and, uh, a really great villain that I was glad that was, a was held over, through the rest of the clo- uh, after the clone side. In the alternate universe, where we got a third and fourth season of Spec Spidey, I would hope he would have participated in the uh, future gang wars. Probably yeah, not, but that would have been cool. That would have been cool. So, yeah, B plus for me. And now, any other final thoughts on that? No, although I have to say, we've been doing a good run of a couple of solid issues now. Hopefully, yeah. there's not a bad one that comes along to ruin all that. Doom, doom, doom. 
Leave him out. Right. He's nowhere near any of this. All right. So we have Spectacular Spider-Man 237, August of 96. Spidey's coming to the rescue, but he's coming to Spidey's rescue with the with the lizard? But who is he? You know, the cover's not even vague about who it is. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, um, isn't my imagination, or does he look like an iguana in this issue? He does, look and like especially an this cover. Yeah, he does look like an iguana. This whole arc explains that particular redesign away. All right, so we have uh, Peter Parker dying again. Mysteriously, Ben must have went behind the curtain and changed into his civilian clothes because I guess they were inside of uh, <laughs> inside of Peter's hospital room because he's consoling Mary Jane as Ben Riley. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, Mary Jane's wearing different clothes too. So, see, here's the thing, though, Greg. Ordinarily, people wearing different clothes is just an artist thing. I know. The <laughs> artists aren't communicating with each other. But, yes, I know. but Ben Riley being dressed as a civilian or in his costume should have been in the script. Which makes yeah. me, which makes me think that uh, Dezago just just screwed up <laughs> and forgot to mention that he was supposed to be in costume, or maybe Mackie screwed up and forgot to allot the time for Ben to change into civilians' clothes. Either way, mm-hmm. it's a writer thing in this case, not an artist thing. So uh, this this is uh, Stanley profoundly presents the spectacular Spider-Man in Little Deaths. Dezago's the writer. Salby Sima does the breakdowns. John Sinisi does the finishes. And uh, the colors are by John Kautz. I forgot to check. Is this Sal's second to last issue as well? Yes. Okay. Uh. All right. So uh, we have Mary Jane and Ben. You know, Ben is trying is consoling. He cries over the body of Peter. And um, really I have powerful. to point out something very unfortunate. I mean, they look fine on MJ, but on Ben, those don't look like tears. They look like something a little bit thicker. Yeah. Ooh, you're right about that one. So Ben is crying. Mary Jane's crying. They walk out. Ben is trying to console Peter. And then all of a sudden, Peter starts spasming. <laughs> There's an actual fat on the page. Yes. <laughs> that's and, and the worst part is it's not even an appropriately used fat. That's the sound that it makes when he reaches down and grabs the bed. Yeah, grabs I, the bed and, and rips the bed apart. He's like, what is happening? Must not fat. Muscles spasming. <laughs> and he like, th- throw, he's like, no. And he throws himself into all the monitors and like completely destroys the entire hospital room. <laughs> Uh, we then cut to Jonah. No, no, Jonah, Robbie. Hey, Robbie, Robbie in Jonah's office with, I guess, Glory Grant. I don't. That's yeah, Glory. That is Glory. Uh, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. The the teletypes all messed up because all of a sudden you all you see is onslaught, 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 repeating over and over again. All work, we no did... play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought of that. <laughs> Uh, the key piece of the scene that you're missing, Zach, uh, uh, Robbie picks up a folder called Rand Meacham, and he mentions that the the cops wouldn't have caught that. He knows, oh, yeah. he knows he's tampering with evidence, but since he knows what's going on with, with Jonah, he would recognize that piece of evidence as being significant. Yeah. So uh, we then have a scene with, with Kurt Connors walking through, and we have uh, Donald Trump, I mean, Grayson Creed, straight on Creed, doing uh, something about, wanting to talk about doing something about those dirty mutants. <laughs> Oh, that! Oh, that next panel, the the big top uh, page panel. Yeah. Okay, can I can I can I read it? 
Sure. <laughs> Jeez, they should do something about that Graydon Creed. I don't know what scares me more. He's running for president or the fact that he could actually win. He gets so many people worked up with the venom that he spews. And I just stopped there because my sides hurt too much. <laughs> <laughs> my God, this is the most topical comic from 1996 <laughs> that I think we could have ever picked up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Holy yeah, like, balls! <laughs> <laughs> Anti-mutant propaganda. Uh, uh, human- unfortunately, the ending of Great and Creed saga in the comics, although we wish it would happen in real life, wouldn't. Which is yeah. which is that Great and Creed is assassinated. The, the <laughs> end. The end. All right. Anyway, so uh, I'm ben sorry. Is- I did not advocate assassinating presidential candidates. Please do not insinuate that my opinions do not reflect those of uh, Spidey Dash Dude Networks and or the members of Cl- Cl- Hey, hey, you're only allowed to say it if you're actually running for president. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. Anyway. Oh dear. <clears throat> I, I I made the Donald Trump joke because I knew it was going to get made. <laughs> so and that was a good call, Zach. Um. Anyway, so we we then have been bringing around the city, and all of a sudden, the lizard. You know, um, with Kurt Connors trying to diagnose Peter's condition, I was really hoping we wouldn't hear from his scaly alter ego. So Ben fights the lizard, who looks suspiciously like the iguana. <laughs> and uh, we're at the we cut to the hospital where Peter's talking to Kurt Connors. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, they look across the street and it's found him. It's found me. I have to get out of here. I have to go. So Peter's like, wait, what's going on? What? So (laughs) I got the runs. I'll be right back. Yeah. And so uh, the, the, the not, the not Kurt Connors lizard uses his tail of doom to smack Ben into a wall face first before before uh, somebody calling for a doctor. And it's Peter going, hey, hey, buddy, nobody hurts my brother, man. And he's like, uh, I wanted to help, then I found these scrubs, man. And, and, uh, uh, Peter does that dumbass thing. If you ever seen that cartoon, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, you know how he, uh, yeah. you know how he would always reveal that it, the Sonic would always reveal that it was him under the costumes, even though he's the only blue character in the in the god show, so he wouldn't actually have to. Yes, I hate this scene where Peter does. He pulls the the mask of the scrubs down to be like, "Hey Ben, it's me, Peter." Like we didn't figure it out immediately as soon as he showed up because he looks. Yeah, exactly. as soon as we saw the god cover, it's like, oh come on. <laughs> So so Ben push, shoves him out of the way, saying, well, your spider sense needs a tune-up, buddy. And he's thinking, oh, yeah, I'm just going to grab the wall. Woo-hoo. He's like, um, as a, um, as a, uh, I'm Ben! And so Ben's like, dumbass. So he's, he, thwips, he, he, he uh, thwips Peter and catches him. No, no reference to Gwen Stacy, thank God. <laughs> that's, that's twice this month that they had some yeah. falling down that had to be saved the webbing that they didn't reference Gwen. We maybe make so, progress. Yeah. So Ben, Ben pulls, you know, Ben and Peter get, get Peter gets back to the rooftop and he's like, uh, "Great, while you were catching me, that lizard thing got away." He's like, "Don't worry, I'll catch up to Connors later." And he's like, "Hey, I've got news for you. That's not Kurt Connors." To be continued. <laughs> <laughs> Very abrupt ending. Yeah, yeah, very much abrupt ending. Uh, and we'll actually cover this. Our next recording, we're going to cover the last two parts of this story, plus the um, the lizard backup story from Scarlet Spider, uh, Planet of the Symbiote, Scarlet Spider. Can I make a request? Yes. Can we make this a send off to Sal episode? We got to do some, this. Ep- no, no, the next this- one that we're doing. Oh, absolutely. We got yeah. we to gotta, we gotta do something for that. 
Agreed. And it's enough for Bagley as well. We'll do. Well, uh, we won't. We won't cover the Bagley issues until the following recording. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. So, th- just the way we're doing this, because we don't have very much left in terms of the uh, uh, the Clone Saga first set of Clone Saga trades, and that's pretty much the only story we haven't covered. And since it's topical to the Blizzard story that happens in those in the this and the other two parts of Spectacular, we figured we'd just go ahead and cover it then. So. Yep. Uh, all right. I'll get my thoughts. I I didn't hate this issue. Um, in fact, I liked it when it came out, especially nostalgia glasses. Uh, but taking off my nostalgia glasses and looking at it from an analytical st- standpoint, it's not a very good issue. No. Um, some of the um, I, I I think I know what it's trying to do. It was trying to get Peter, you know, back in with his spider powers, but and it's the subplot that's going to follow up the next couple of months. But um. It just was very clunky. All the emotion that you got with the previous two issues is just sucked out. Mm-hmm. That's the worst part. That's the worst offense. Yeah. I'm going to give it a C plus. I like Sal's artwork in this issue, but there's still some some weird stuff with the eyes. Spider-Man. Yeah. Sal is... I love Sal, but it's one of those artists that if he has the wrong ink or the wrong colorist, his stuff ends up looking like crap and it's not his fault. Yeah. I mean, uh, take a look back at Web of Death when MJ announces she's pregnant. That's one of the most hit. It's a Sal drawing that should be good, but the inking just makes it look hideous. Yeah. The best inker Sal Buscema ever had was Sal Buscema. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he inked his own stuff, especially late 80s, early 90s, it was gorgeous. And I feel bad for yeah. saying this because I love Sal, but it just... You know, you've just got to be honest. I mean, I give this issue a C also. It's not good. It's not terrible but it's just not good gerard your thoughts oh, i thought greg was kind of rolling into his thoughts just now <laughs> unless you don't really have anything to add to what zach said no i don't i mean there's really not much to say about this peter is alive he's got his powers back yeah I mean, and, it, it, it was it served its function and the lizard and, is fake yeah and and the um the thing, the reason why I split this up, and I, I do need to mention this because we were going to do this, this, and, and the other two parts with the backup stuff with Planet Symbiotes, but I decided to cover it in this episode because it's kind of it's it. Yes, it has the lizard, and he does appear in the next two issues. There's a, a, a bunch of lizard stuff, but it kind of is the way they did it in the Clone Saga trades. All of the month of August is together, so I thought, well. If they did in the trades, we might as well do it in the show. And yeah, we've got the Graydon Creed ranting, which I guess ties in the onslaught. But the only thing it was missing, and uh, you know, I, w- I actually, if I did the recap, I actually wasn't going to make a Trump joke, believe it or, <laughs> believe it or not. What I, what the joke I was going to make was him on TV shouting, "You're not my father! You're not my father! <laughs> 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 saber two, saber tooth, real name." Graydon Creed Sr. Which, and I remember as a kid even watching that. That's not his real name. His name's Victor Creed. <laughs> what is this? They had to spell it out for you. Yes. Oh. Yes, the, the animated, the X-Men animated series. That's right. That's, that's, that's how right. they dispatched with Creed at the end. Although he comes back again later. But What are you looking at? In the final episode, but yeah. 
You're not my father. Pew pew pew. You're not my father. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He, he freaked out. Yes. But we want to so, combine uh, the two jokes. We can always edit those. We can always edit that dialogue in the Trump's mouth. <laughs> the best part about that episode, by the way, was that was probably the most transparent that the Friends of Humanity were just the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> that episode especially really drove it home. Yeah. Anyway, I guess I'll start giving my thoughts now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the this issue can be summed up to me. There's there's one panel that's a perfect microcosm of this. Oddly enough, it's on the same uh, Trump Creed page, which is it's the middle panel at the bottom. It's it's Ben. He's clinging to a wall, and and he has like a bunch of uh, thought boxes, and it says things couldn't be more Jake and me. I've got the sun on my face, the wind in my webs, and not a care in the world. This scene takes place at night, and he's in deep shadow. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a perfect microcosm of how dysfunctional this issue is. Um, there's poor visual continuity. Like Zach mentioned in the beginning, Ben's in civilian clothes all of a sudden. Did, did, he, yeah. did, he, did he take his clothes off in front of Mary Jane? Uh, although, I, although I guess he throw his cost his stuff on over his costume, so she didn't have to see his twelve inch scrawled sweater. So. Oh come on, even that oh, wow. she hasn't seen before. <laughs> That's true. Technically, technically, it's this exact same thing as what she's what she's really seen. <laughs> do you think Ben dies down there too? <laughs> oh, <laughs> or do you have a mismatch situation? No, he shaves it. <laughs> <laughs> That would actually be advantageous for Spider-Man, you know, if you think about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Let me get off of that subject real fast. Uh, yeah, the art in this issue, I think uh, Greg nailed it. Not Sal's strongest work. It's better than what he was doing with uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. That's for yeah. sure, because A, I can actually see what's happening. And B, yeah. things look like the things they're supposed to look like. Which is a plus, I guess. But, but it's not as good as the Jimmy Jimmy Palmiotti inks that we saw last month. No, and I, it's not even a, a. I mean, this is not that long removed from when Sal was inking his own stuff. It was yeah. only what three years, maybe four years before this. Yeah. So we've sensed the drop off, and sadly, this is the second to last issue that Sal did. So uh, it's it's almost the end of the rope for him. And we've mentioned him before, but I think he only did a couple of fill-ins at DC. And that's it for his penciling career. From then on, he was an anchor. Where he still works to this day, by the way. Good on him. Although, yeah. mostly you're just with Ron Friends. Who always has one panel that he tries to make Sabi Sima draw. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Which is clever. Clever! Very clever boy. Um, but the thing that I hated most about this issue... Well, two things. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Three things. In in descending order of how much I or ascending order of how much I hate them, uh, there's an onslaught tease with the whole uh, with the teletype onslaught onslaught onslaught. And I just wrote in my notes, get ready to bleep this out when you're editing this episode. I put onslaught tease dot dot dot. <laughs> oh, wait till we get to next. Oh, I hate onslaught, but we'll get we'll get there. Well, we won't get there because we won't really talk about it much. Although I guess we have to. Oh, no, no, we're going to give context. Okay, we'll have to contextualize what's going on next, or not next month, I guess, the the episode after the next episode. Yeah. When we actually cover the onslaught stuff. Um, uh, Ben nearly kills Peter (laughs) in this issue. Yeah, should have ripped his arm off. Well, forget about that. He just throws him off of a roof. <laughs> yeah, he shoved him off the roof. He's like, yeah. And I'm imagining an alternate take on this where, where, ben, where ben just threw him. And it's like, 
is Peter slides down the wall, but Ben doesn't see him, and he's like, hey, where'd Peter go? Peter? <laughs> he looks down to the alley, and you just see, like, he's just a street pizza. It's like, oh! Oh, no, how am I going to explain this? <laughs> and the next, and then, smash cut, Ben's riding a motorcycle out of town. Like, he just, <laughs> it's Utah all over again! Yeah, he's, he's got a, a Lorenzo Lamas <laughs> Uh, but the absolute number one thing I hated the most about this issue was it absolutely pisses away the ending of the last of, of, of Spider-Man number 71. Yeah. Yes, it does. Oh my god. And within... And you know what? Even the beginning of this issue, the first couple of pages are pretty good. There's no dialogue going on. It's just them reacting and such. And then you got Peter. I don't know what Sal was doing here, but it looks like he's floating off of the bed. Yeah, what the hell? Is and then that? like, and it doesn't look like he jumps into the wall. It looks like, it looks like Magneto is flinging him around the room by his adamantium skeleton. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't look right. He sleeps above the covers, four feet above the covers. <laughs> she drools and grows. Oh, I just watched that the other day. So. There is no data, only stool. That movie still holds up. Why do? Yeah. Why do? Why did that need to get re- rebooted? I don't know. But that's neither here nor there. So, um. It's hard to really hammer this one that much because I don't yeah. think it's it's actually horribly executed. But the more I think about it, the more I dislike what this issue did. Not so much on its own, but what it did to the other two issues that we really liked this month. I mean, Peter yeah. was going to revive anyway, but yeah, it could, it could have been a better story. Th- this reminds me. There's a bit in uh, the Phoenix Saga, uh, the Dark Phoenix Saga, which is a, a one of the greatest comic book stories ever. Yes. But there's a really bad instance of something similar to this that I've always hated to the, and and I passionately hate about that story, which is that one issue ends where uh Cyclops and Mastermind have had their duel, you know, in Mary, in a in a Jean's mindscape and Scott is slain in the dream so he just passes out and dies in real life. And the issue and the issue ends with Nightcrawler going, "Oh my God, Cyclops is dead!" To be continued. The very first panel of the next issue is Cyclops moving and Nightcrawler going, "Look, everybody, Cyclops is alive!" <laughs> yeah. This is the worst yeah, I remember that. Cliffhanger cop out in comic book history. I think this may be the second worst. <laughs> yeah. Peter just dies emotionally and then revives immediately within the first few pages of the next issue. That's horrible. Horrible. You couldn't leave him dead for a month? Come on. We needed a scene, if they were going to do this and do it well, you needed a scene a la Craven's Last Hunt where you have Peter's funeral. It's all emotional. Everybody lets go of him. Peter, ben is like, I'm Spider-Man now. You know, maybe even give him a Spider-Man suit with a black armband on it for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. really sell the idea that Peter Parker is dead. And then all of a sudden, the ground's shaking. Boom! Fist busts out of the grave. You know what I mean? We needed that. Yeah. We didn't get that. We got <laughs> Peter waking up like, huh, oh, well, guys, I guess I'm not dead. <laughs> da, 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 da. You know, and the circle goes down. The, the, that, I have to wonder, let's say he did die here for real. Do you think somewhere Norman Osborn would be sitting around going, oh, God, victory over that clone means nothing to me. I'm going back to Europe. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about something off-topic that may not make the episode when we're done recording this. 
But it has to do with fan fiction and one of the greatest ideas I've ever had in my life. <laughs> oh, God. We'll, okay. We'll right, talk about this right. afterwards. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I guess I'll give this a C-. minus. It's not offensively bad, but in context to the other issues, it's a heinous crime. So we all gave it a C-. minus. Oh, we, did we? Yeah. Yep. Huh. C-. I thought Zach gave it a C plus, but whatever, I don't care. If he, even if he did, he gave it a C minus because we're shaking our fists at him. Yeah. Is this the worst issue of the month? We're about to dive into Unlimited. <laughs> well, okay, all right. So so historically, Unlimited has been the book that we always universally give an F. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't keep the track of those grades anymore, but there was a good run where every single month everybody gave it an F. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking oh. Rich Gannon era. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Was there ever a good issue of Unlimited? Uh, yeah, th- th- there was uh, issue three of Unlimited. Yeah, that's the one I always bring up. The Oc- uh, redo. Of- I liked issue three and four. Issue four was the one with the Human Torch, and then you had the uh, Thunderstrike issue. Yeah. When, when it was written by DeFalco and it was drawn by Ron Lim, it was it wasn't a bad. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Uh, to be honest, issue two isn't that bad either. It's the the last. I, don't like, I mean, I don't like Maximum Carnage, but for what? But that's my own problem. For what it is, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, like I mean, so it's not a. To me, it's not. A, it's, it's just there's this the Runder in the Clone Cycle is just ass. Um, part of the problem, I think, is that the format crushed this book. Yes. Where the need to make it fifty pages every time just ruined. It. Yeah. Because you got to ring fifty pages is almost the entire workload of the month for the other books because they're eighty eight pages of the other books. Because there's four yep. of them, of course, and they're 22 pages each. Yeah. So if you're going to do an unlimited issue that's 50-something, usually like 52 or 53, I think, right? Something, yeah. something like that. Oh, boy, you better make it, it... It has to be something significant, like a redo of Dr. Octopus's origin or the opening or closing chapter of Maximum Carnage. You know what I mean? Those justified yeah. being that format. But yeah, it's saga really, stories are usually dumb crap like him saving bombs and buildings and uh, cavorting with homeless guys. <laughs> yeah, or Kane, or Kane wearing a Spider-Man costume for no reason. <laughs> All right, I take it back. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, Superior Three is really good. I mean, and, and not Superior Three. I mean, uh, Unlimited Three, Superior. I was thinking that was going to Superior team up the last couple issues of that where it was kind of a love letter to that where the writer of that who was that he uh, went back to those issues as he did a really great Doc Gock Ring Goblin story and had Sal Basema and uh, Ron Friends doing the art. Zach knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was, it was actually that was probably the two best issues of Team Up. It, I don't know it, if it was Those, Yost those or... may have been the two best issues of Superior as a franchise, period. No. Uh... Uh, I don't. Uh, I disagree with that because there were certain there were certain parts of the actual Superior book I didn't I didn't hate. Get out! You didn't I, hate I that. But yeah, you didn't hate, but that the, that two part for the most part until it kind of fizzled out at the end. I actually loved it. Yeah, it was actually a really good book. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, getting to that, all that is a setup for Unlimited thirteen, Cage and Iron Fist together again, Spider Man Unlimited, and they're all on the Scorpions list. That cover is hideous. Uh, remember a few months ago when we were talking about how What If got redesigned yeah. for darker, grittier artwork? I believe this was one of the... The guy who did the cover for this, I believe, was one of the artists that worked on What If during yes. that time period. Yep. So this is exactly what the What If book looked like. <laughs> for anybody that was wondering. 
It was like if Bill Sinkevich was like... Yeah, it was like a <laughs> Bill Bill Sinkevich diarrhea on a page. It was like a it was like a Sam Keith Bill Sinkevich love child. Oh, that would be a horrible child. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go full on uh, ancient Sparta on that kid. Sorry, kid. <laughs> this is Sparta. Anyway, um, so our issue opens up with twenty four hours. New York has been turned upside down in a desperate attempt to find. The publisher of the Daily Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson. So finally. <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's yeah. been mentioned offhandedly to- like twice in the last four issues. Let me in Jameson's like, mind, that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that must be Jameson's internal monologue. <laughs> Let me go, Gargan. To dust off this old chestnut, that, that caption is full of lies. Yes. <laughs> it's a pack of lies. Pack of lies. <laughs> Got that in stereo, folks. Jameson, uh, there is no Gargan. And don't call me names. Scorpion. And don't call me names. Radiation. Ain't that stuff dangerous? All right, so... Uh, <laughs> well done with We're that. We're going to keep story. doing this, I'm sure. All right, the, the story is called Sting of Conscience. James Fielder. There's the writer, Joe Bennett. There's a name that will come up later on in, in the 90s. Did the inks. Uh, Emberline, Mal- Al Milgram, and Montano did the inks, and uh, Christy Steele did the colors. So anyway, we have. Wait, uh, what is Bob Harris's title there? El Jefe. El Jefe. Yeah. That's the boss. That's right. It's the boss, man. I have no yeah. idea why that's the only credit that's in Spanish. Usually, <laughs> if you're going to do yeah. that, you do a bit. Yeah. So. Uh, Gargan threatens him with uh, with his you know with his new stinger tail and, and he's like you stung me you asshole and uh, we then cut to um, the Daily Bugle and they're still trying to figure out you know everybody's saying he's in the Savage Land he's in uh, there's a front page photos of the crime scene yada 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 and then Robbie's like stop you idiots you know trying to get everybody together and so uh, if if we can't turn to the cops who do we turn to? I don't know a hero for hire. So we uh, we have a <laughs> have a homecoming for uh, Luke Cage because uh, of a miniseries that I never read. And so uh, <laughs> okay, we have okay. Who's the chick with the cleavage? I, I think that's Colleen Wing. Yes. Yeah. I. Uh, you're, okay, you're more ver- well versed on this, Gerard, than I am. You got Danny Rand. Who's the Who's the guy with the bassoon? Uh, I you know I actually oh I forgot his name. Uh oh god. Uh, uh oh Toby. He's one of the recurring characters from uh from a uh, Power Man Iron Fist. The blonde guy is the projectionist at the uh, uh what's his name? Uh, uh D W Griffith was the projectionist at the the theater above which oh. Luke Cage lived in, okay. in uh, Times Square, which is playing Unforgiven. Great movie. Mm-hmm. And then, yes. uh, uh, hold on a second. Is the I I totally missed who the uh the black lady is. Was that supposed to be? I think it's supposed to be Misty Knight. I don't think so because she has. Uh, is it her or is it Claire? Tell I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I don't think she even has a line in the scene. Okay, cleavage girl is Colleen Wing on the next page. Uh, okay, well if that's yeah. Colleen Wing. That's almost certainly Misty Knight. So uh, I have to admit, Zach, I sort of skimmed through this issue. I didn't read it very carefully. <laughs> That's okay. So I'm not alone so, this month. 
right. So, so uh, of course, the phone rings, and it's some guy named Robertson. And then they call for a press conference to have Luke Cage and Robbie Robinson, two predominantly African American characters, uh, do their. Well, they're predominantly African American. They are. <laughs> I don't know why I said What's that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm talking out my ass. Oh wow. Well, all right. So uh, after the phone call, Luke Cage and uh, and Robbie have a press conference. The the investigation of who snatched Jonah. Ken Ellis makes a makes a offhanded comment of being a goon for hire, and Luke Cage is about to rip him in half. And for the record, Ken Ellis is predominantly albino Cambodian. <laughs> <laughs> we then cut to the Daily Grind, where uh, you know uh, Shirley, who looks like James Brown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Shirley, and, Shirley and Ben. Ben like takes off, like just in the middle of work. He's like, "Where'd the boy go this time?" Uh, and so he gets to the Ben gets to the crime scene. He runs into uh, um, runs into looks like Colleen Wig, but that's Wing. It's actually uh, Marla. She and made Marla's spider like, slayers. <laughs> Marla is looking unusually young and hot in this issue. <laughs> What's going on? We'll wait till we get to the post clone saga era. Yeah. Oh, there's a shower scene. <laughs> yeah. so, it's a shower uh, scene I appreciated as a young man. Until I realized so, something was amiss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we get, uh, you know, the, the scorpion showing up and he's starting to attack. And uh, here's the thing about about this issue: half of the uh, half of Jonah's office wall is missing in this issue, as opposed to the rest of the issues where it just is ransacked. So um, we then get uh, the new acid that that mel- melts Ben's uh, glove. Um, we then get him, uh, Ben then gets stung during the fight. Marla barely gets saved by, uh, <laughs> he basically softens her fall by, by being a human shield. Then Ben makes a joke to Lieutenant Stone, like, <laughs> somebody double parked? Uh, we then cut, uh, we then cut back to, uh, Luke Cage's place where, uh, Misty Knight is there and, you know, he's like, hey, what's tough talking, uh, what's Misty Knight, tough talking street detective doing here? Like, who talks like that? That's like dance slot level. <laughs> okay, we, we should mention, okay. Uh, I guess I, I guess this is my job because I'm the uh, Power Man fan here. Uh, yep. When Power Man was first created, it was during the black exploitation era. So he was yeah. very deliberately written as a black exploitation character. He's walking around, jive turkey, and all all that stuff. He's walking around like, you know, it, it was very stereotypical but appropriate to the time period. But where's my money, honey? Where's my money, honey? Up oh, that infamous bit was from that run. But the problem here with the character has always been the problem henceforth with the character, which is that his seventies run is iconic and everybody loves him for it. But you get a, a a crisis where you either write him like that anachronistically because this is the nineties and he's still dressed like he's from the seventies and talking like he's from the seventies, or you update him and you just piss off all of his fans. Which is exactly what Bendis did. Well, yeah, but Marvel's gone back and forth on this for a long time. During the early part of the nineties, they did a run where they re- rebranded him just as Cage, and he was walking around with like a with like a wife beater, and like you always been. Mm-hmm. They have done this multiple times, and they always go back and forth. So <laughs> we're in the middle of one of his return back to the classic gimmick phases, and I'm sure the next time he appears, it's probably 
reboot attempt number three or whatever it was, and then oh, I think this is this actually led into Heroes for Hire. The well, he's got he's also got the uh, new TV show starting soon, so that's probably going to help cement whatever it is that they're going to be doing with him from henceforth. Well, no, because once Bendis took over and rebooted him for the ninetieth time, that stuck, though mostly out of stubbornness on the part of Bendis and other people involved. Yeah. Because quite frankly, they made they made him such a bland character now that it uh, he almost doesn't matter. But in the, in the in the Jessica Jones series, he's probably one of the best elements. I mean, just just saying. But anyway, so, uh, uh, so full disclosure, I love the '70s uh, Power Man run. So when he's sort of walking around jive talking, you look at that as being weird and anachronistic. I look at that as, hey, it's Luke Cage. Yeah. <laughs> because that's that is the natural state of the character. You just you just have to accept the fact that he doesn't belong here. <laughs> okay. Uh, sort of like when sort of like when the Muppets show up on a talk show and everybody treats them like they're real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, because they are, of course. I'm not implying that they're puppets because they're not. But when the Muppets show up and everybody is okay with it, that's what you, how you have to treat characters like Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist and such. So uh we then cut to Luke after talking with uh Talking with Misty, he cuts. He runs over to the Ran the Ran Corporation. There's that. There's that old chestnut again, and Danny is like in a in a trance with a big giant fat uh, egghead looking character that nobody knows who the heck he is. He's like sweet. He's about to say sweet Christmas, but he doesn't. Basically, uh, Cage is trying to recruit Danny back to you know helping him out, being a hero for hire, and um, he then co- goes to the quartermaster. And him and him and the quartermaster are, are talking are talking to each other. And quartermaster decides when he's walking away to throw a sharp object at Luke Cage because remember he doesn't have unbreakable skin, you dumbass. <laughs> so um, he then makes a phone call saying that Cage has gotten too close. So of course, guess who shows up at his office? But the Scorpion. Make so, way for the Scorpion. Yeah, so uh, Ben shows up, fights fights the scorpion with Cage. Uh, get, and remember, I also need to mention. I also kind of glossed over this. He has a new stinger with this new poison serum. That, and there's uh, a and there's a briefcase full of cash flying around. I've already saved five hundred dollars. <laughs> so um, come on, sucker! And then, Cage actually and then says I'll, that at one point. There it is. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Code Blue shows up right after the fight's over because <laughs> that's how the cops usually roll. Um, <laughs> we go, we go back to the daily, the Daily Bugle morgue. I didn't know Daily Bugle had a morgue, but okay. Um, they meet with the morgue in newspaper terminologies, where you put the the old uh, information on previous stories. Oh, okay. Back in the day when this stuff wasn't digitized. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, but this is back before the internet. Uh, <laughs> After he left the morgue, he went to his his local blockbuster to pick up his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. VHS rental. His VHS rental of, of the of the latest um, Debbie, the latest version of Debbie Does Dallas. Uh, anyway, uh, he talks to Marla. Uh, quarter uh, Cage goes back to the quartermaster. They're still fighting. Quartermaster has, looks like suspiciously like Gaunt. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh-oh, Misty Knight has to make her appearance. 
and she saves um, Luke Cage from falling into the pit of the pit of doom. Quartermaster is it, then is it falls. just me or does she look a bit like Maria Hill in that first panel? Where she she does because for some reason she's wearing a, a black skin tight uh, number with yeah. white with white trim. It looks like a shield uniform, and she does yeah, not look like she's black. Yeah. No, we should probably mention again because some people don't know these characters. Misty Knight is a police is a police detective, but her gimmick is that she has a robotic arm. So she's really, really strong, at least on one side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Quartermaster then falls into the into the pit of acid and nearly dies. We then cut back to Jameson and not not Dargan Gargan because he's not Gargan anymore. Don't you dare say Gargan. We get we get of course the backstory with with Gargan and then Spider Man shows back up again, uh, finally finding Jonah after this entire issue. And he's like, so don't miss, don't move, insect. I don't want to miss your spine. But nope. Uh, Luke Cage shows up, and then Danny Rand. Of course, the uh, Misty Knight throws throws the antidote to Ben, who catches it with his not Ben Riley glove, but his former regular Spider-Man glove. If this fight scene were animated, it would occasionally get clips to that shot of Scorpion where he's much bigger and has green skin for no reason, then they would cut back to him being... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, then, of course, you know, Danny Rand then punches him punches him with the iron fist and breaks his tail, which is what always happens with Scorpion. And... Um, Scorpion then uh, all of a sudden starts convulsing and has uh, he has his own poison turned on him. Ben then goes, don't mind me, we're just being a party pooper. You guys worked well back. They're almost like a team. And they're like, uh, go figure. <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> and then, I wonder if these two will go on many great adventures in the near term. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Ben tries to help Jonah up, and he's like, uh, come on, Jonah, you, you're not even going to thank me for saving your life? And he's like, oh, don't pretend you're fooling me, Spider-Man. You can only play like you're one of the good guys, so Cage and Iron Fist don't take you in. But don't think I don't know that you, what you and Scorpion were up to. And he's like, oh, oh, oh what are you doing? And he throws him straight. He's like, so you want to you want to be with these good guys, eh? You know, I'll let I'll let uh, Scorpion or I'll let uh, Luke Cage take care of you from now on. So Luke and Luke and Danny Rand shake hands, and then. Uh, Danny Rand's gonna go f- figure out what, what whatever the truth is in his in his awesome new miniseries that that nobody gives a crap about. Code Blue then shows up again late, late enough to take the Scorpion in, but just when the, the, you think the Scorpion's dead, ha ha! He uh, then like overturns the van and and uh, and gets gets goes with his new. Um, with it, whether whatever his boss is, and so anyway, our issue ends um, with Luke Cage drinking some Gatorade and uh, Ben serving some serving some some. Actually, I think he's eating some pancakes at the Daily Grind. But then Jam- Jameson's like, "Ah, and the Spider-Man left his damn glove here. He's a litterer." And they're like, um, you know, want want want. And Ben like nearly breaks the. Uh, <laughs> fork and a half. Um, uh, Ben's like, I, it just goes to show that I made the right decision for once. Well, the end. All right. 
So there's a backup story, but no one cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's not even talk about it. <laughs> what is uh, uh, Yeah. Okay, so I have a theory about what... I wasn't planning on talking about the backup story. <laughs> well, I did, for completion's sake, we should mention it exists. Okay, what... what uh, give, give a brief... No! <laughs> I'm not, no, we're not discussing it. I'm just mentioning it's there. Well, what's it about? I don't know. You, <laughs> you think I bothered okay. reading that? After that thing we just went through? <laughs> okay, so, um... Misty Night, before... I, I have a theory... Somewhere in the future, okay, um, okay, old Spock, comes, Spock Prime comes back in time, and the ship with George Kirk explodes, and it sends a wave of Caucasiatrons through time and space <laughs> to turn Khan from an Indian guy into the palest Caucasian guy ever, and then they hit the Marvel Universe going through space and time and turn Misty Knight from a black woman into a white woman. <laughs> Sounds, seems legit. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? I mean, like, again, like I said, you... If I thought that was Maria Hill I was looking at, even after you guys told me it was Miss Knight, and I know she doesn't appear for another ten years. Whew. Yeah, this looks nothing like Misty Knight. Espe- again, especially if you're used to the '70s when Misty Knight had an afro. Yeah, yeah, I've got a. Mar- and her action, fi- her actual action figure has an afro. Yeah, it does. I've got it up right up there. Misty Knight is very black, so this the straight-haired, light-skinned woman that's running around this issue. I don't know who that is. My yeah. name. It's Misty Knight. <laughs> A.K.A. Khan! <laughs> I am Khan! Who? Who's Khan? Oh, I'm sorry, do I know you from somewhere, Khan? You said that all dramatically, like we should know who you are. Yeah, yeah, uh, let me go to Lin- Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, please fill us in who Khan is. I can't fill you in on that one, James, because I am currently deceased. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I God! Unicron. Here's a hint. Oh, by the way, today's apparently the 30th anniversary of the day that movie came out. Oh, Transformers the movie? Yes. Oh yeah! Happy birthday, Transformers the movie, the good one, not the Michael Bay ones. Um. Well, okay. Let me let me let me talk about this issue. Um. Yeah. Something that I liked. <sighs> Um, I, um, oh, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a plug for Iron Fist Limited series, and the editor's note says that the editor's note was written by Fu Mac Chu. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's a positive. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the artwork is is Joe Bennett, but it's like very. No, cringy. no, no. This is this is Joe Bennett after he gets home and realizes that he has a voicemail on his answering machine, and he listens to it, and it says that they want him to draw forty eight pages by next Tuesday. So he's yeah. like, oh, crap. So he just nails himself down to his drawing board and just keeps drawing until his arm falls off. Spoilers, yeah. his arm fell off at page 20 and he kept going. This is a <laughs> hideous issue. I mean, the way they, yes. most of the way the characters are drawn, I mean, I know characters in uh, comics superheroes are supposed to be buff, but this is, like, 90s buff. Is, I mean, it's hideous. This is like, this is like Joe Bennett meets Image. <sighs> 
this is Joe Bennett meets Image, and then they get drunk and have a night of wild sex together, and he catches uh, something from Image, and then it shows up all over his work in the subsequent days. Yeah, this is not this is not his best work. This is probably his worst issue I've ever seen. And yeah, I, this is this is the worst I've ever seen Joe Bennett artwork. I mean, this, I mean, I mean, as I've, bad as bad as the Punisher family plot issue that he did was, and it was bad. This was almost yeah. this was worse. I mean, that first look at the, at the that first look at the scorpion isn't bad, but it, he also had one of the better anchors doing that page. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. The, the, this is all kind. I mean, look. If you want the too long didn't listen version of this, because this is a long episode. Um, this issue is an issue of Spider-Man Unlimited, and it's written by a writer I've never heard of before. So yeah, of course we're giving it an F. We've done that in every other time that this has happened. Before. Uh-huh. Yeah, this 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 is this, this is, is terrible. <laughs> and I say this is I love Power Man and Iron Fist. I'm holding a Power Man action figure in my hand right now. And he I'm Yeah, it's it. I was there when he bought it. Yeah, yeah, it was in your comic con. And I'm patting him on the head. I'm sorry, Luke. I'm sorry they did this to you. <laughs> This is basically a backdoor pilot for a for a Power Man and Iron Fist series. Yeah, true story. And that happened. And barely, guest starred Spider Man. It barely has anything to do with Spider Man. They just basically the only reason this is a Spider Man story is because they threw Jameson in there. Yeah, and even then, you almost forget about that by the middle of the issue because it's all about Power Man and Iron Fist getting back together. And yeah, resetting mean, their status quo because in the previous months I don't think he Danny Rand had been power fi- power uh, Iron Fist for a while. Yeah. So you had to kind of get him back in the costume. I don't know why this is happening in a Spider-Man book. I just does, does, does there an explanation? Can can uh, Andrew Golitz and uh, Glenn Greenberg explain this? Because because I, I don't know why. Honestly, this is the this is an issue that is almost like a bad issue Spider-Man team up. This is like this the, is a bad the, issue with Spider-Man team up. You're right. Uh-huh. I mean, this is like because huh, spoiler alert next uh, this month that or next month that that uh, the other episode that comes out next month, the next episode actually is going to be me reviewing Spider-Man team up. So enjoy. I mean, and like I said, and it's hard to tell characters. I mean, when I got to that page and I saw everyone else in Cleavage Girl calling wing, I was thinking, what's Betty Brandt doing at Luke Cage's party? Well, and this is <laughs> this is where caption boxes would have been helpful. Yeah. Hey, hey Greg, you want more uh, ambiguous race stuff? She uh, wouldn't be. She wouldn't be there in a 1966 cartoon. She called an African guy a hideous creature. No, 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 no. But wait, but wait. Did you know that Colleen Wing is is half Chinese? I bet you didn't, because she sure doesn't look that way. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> and by the way, you also can't tell from the fact that she's basically in this issue to be chesty McBigtits. But yeah. Colleen Wing is legit, like, uh, she has uh, incredible, like, fighting skills and such. She usually teams up with them in the capacity of, I'm the one who knows, you know, samurai shit. <laughs> so give me a sword. And I'll take care of the guys on that side of the room while you guys go catch whoever the villain is. Well, this yeah. was the era where Black Cat had a neckline that came down past her navel. Look, look, like Black, you like you said, Black Cat wore a costume where you could actually see her pubes through her cleavage. That's bad. 
<laughs> that should not exist. Like the nineties were a bad time for comics for, for women, okay? Let's just say it. Yeah. And then, remember Invisible Woman's costume in the nineties? I try to forget. Good lord. The internet won't let me though. I hate you, Internet. Um, okay, anyway, back to this story and a bunch of lines that we just said that got cut out because I mentioned things you can't say on the air on a kid-friendly show, I guess. But um, I, I, I almost can't penetrate the awfulness of this this issue, so I'm doing a bad job of explaining why it's a, a bad story. So I'm just going to have to take it on faith that you can all take my word for it. And my brain is already purging it from my memory, so... There's not much else I can add other than to say it looks bad, it's badly written, it has nothing to do with Spider-Man, and don't read it. It's enough. All right, here's my brief review. Aside, the only thing worth pointing out was um, before this was a uh, missing that getting hit by Caucasian thanks to um, Spock Prime and George Kirk. But, um, okay, crap, crap, crappity, crap, 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 crap. Did I mention crap? A whole lot of crap, crap, F. <laughs> yeah, this is straight enough. I mean, this is this is definitely the worst issue of the month. Uh, if if it wasn't, if I wasn't trying to be completist on this show, we wouldn't have reviewed it. But this is the it. worst issue that we've read since the Scarlet Spider miniseries, I would think. Right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Marvel, you can you can always go back and retcon it. This is uh, Maria Hill's very first appearance, and people would believe you if they just flipped the book <laughs> and didn't read the dialogue. Oh, people will believe you. By the way, um, we did review a good issue of Unlimited. It was the Return of Spider-Man month. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I think you're right. That was that was the, that was the Black Cat issue. Yeah, that was so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one wasn't bad. Now watch if somebody's uh, gonna go back and listen, and I, I gave it an F. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't remember. <laughs> I'm almost positive that that was the last. Uh, Do we have another Unlimited? The- Do we have another Unlimited issue next month? Isn't that the uh, dates of Eddie Brent? <laughs> oh, it is, yeah, that is the last. That is the last unlimited issue. So there will be a certain somebody that's on that episode. <laughs> he better be here. Z- yeah. Zach, making us read issues like this is one of the things that strains our friendship. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't d- don't do this to me. So well, uh, there's there's this is the next. This is the last. Because I don't I, see, I don't actually dislike that issue that we're, we're going to cover next, uh, the issue fourteen. It's been a while. I actually like issue. Yeah, but as I recall from here on out, the the next batch of issues until the end don't get anywhere near this bad. No, uh, no. I think it's been I think it's been a very long time since I've read most of them, so I don't know. This may I be mean, the last horrible Clone Saga issue. Yeah, I agree with that. Chronologically, I mean, there, are, there are probably some bad ones we haven't covered yet. Well, I mean, I mean, there's things like. Um, like, like Spider-Man Team Up. Those were pretty bad, right? But, but we're not no. going to cover those. On the, the point I'm making is for the main show. This is the last yes. disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't think we hate. You know, we got just to give you a rundown of what we have left from here. Um, we've got uh, a one shot of of sensational, and then we have a two parter after that. Mm-hmm. And then we have on uh, we have lizard, we have the lizard, which is two parts. We have ASM, which has got uh, three issues left. Uh, yeah, there's that one about heroes reborn. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then you've got the onslaught one. And then I have those in reverse the, order. I think the onslaught was first, and then that one. Onslaught, and then you have the uh, 
heroes were um, the tribute to heroes issue. Yes. And then you have um, the the last appearance of our favorite character, Judas Traveler. <laughs> I retract my statement about this being the last horrible issue. I may have to reserve judgment for the final tra- Judas Traveler appearance. It is the final Judas Traveler appearance where all is revealed about <laughs> Scryer and, and the Judas Traveler. Oh no, I'm starting to remember how bad that issue is. Yeah, and then Uh-oh. we've got <laughs> maybe I yep, I think I may be retracting my statement. I think we have one horrible issue left. <laughs> well that except and, I think that one's gonna be fun to cover. Yeah, yeah. and then you've got um seventy three and seventy or seventy two, seventy three and seventy four are uh more Don Fortunato stuff. Yeah, there's a Daredevil two parter in there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um where, where they, uh, by the way, there, there's a teaser. <laughs> I might as well mention it. It's not like it's a big spoiler that Spider-Man comes back. <laughs> Peter Parker, Spider-Man by the end of the Clone Saga. Um, there's a teaser in Peter. In a, I'm sorry, Adjective of Spider-Man seventy-four that blows the ending of Revelations. Where? It, it just says next issue. Peter Parker, Spider-Man number seventy-five, and the bow bottom says the return of the one true Spider-Man. Yeah, that, they, were, yeah. They, they weren't even trying to hide it by that point. That blows the entire story. I remember reading that and being, "Oh my god, that, that's, that, I guess I know how that's ending." Oh, how Wizard blew the, that like five months before it came out. <laughs> yeah, the uh, issue seventy two is the other is the other onslaught. Story, yeah, the only so. thing the, the only thing I'll give them is that what they did manage to keep secret was the uh, <laughs> the Green Goblin the back. Yeah, yeah that, that that they did a good job of keeping a secret, but I. I'll tell the story when we get there, but I did figure it out by the time we find out who Gaunt was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where we are. So we've got about three months worth of uh, sensational Peter Parker and adjectiveless, and then we've got two months. And amazing. Worth of, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, you said you said Peter Parker and and adjectiveless; those are the same series. Okay. Start over. Sensational, so, amazing. Spectacular and adjectiveless. Are, yeah, we've got three months of adjectiveless, amazing, and sensational, and then we have two months worth of spectacular. <laughs> you did it again. Oh well, yeah, two months of spectacular, and then revelations, and then revelations. Yeah, and then in there somewhere we have maybe a mini series or two. Well, we have the uh... we got a couple of mini series that we're going to cover. We got uh, redemption and uh, yes. final adventure. Uh-huh. Those are the two main mini series, and then we've got. Uh, we'll cover some modern stuff. Obviously, we'll be doing Clone Conspiracy after it after it's wrapped. Uh, despite the fact that it doesn't sound like much, it will take us two and a half years to cover all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading ahead a little bit to the next limited. Oh my God, Night Watch! So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the next unlimited issue. So uh, a few of these, a few of the more modern stuff will be solo episodes. But in terms of recordings, we probably got about ten more recordings left. But uh, yeah, that's where we are. Um, and after after these next couple of uh, solo efforts come out, then I'll kind of do a, a, a post mortem and, and go through what we've covered, what we haven't covered, because by the time we get done with the lizard story, we'll have covered all of the clone saga trades, and we'll covered most of the stuff up to that point in the Ben Riley trades. So we'll be almost caught up. I have to issue a retraction, Zach. What's up? I messed up, and I was horribly racist, and no one called me on this. 
Colleen Wing is half Japanese, not Chinese. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh no. Do all Asians look the same to you, Jordan? <laughs> well, you know a Chinese person would get really upset. They don't like Japanese people. They still haven't forgiven them for a lot of things. That are- oh, they haven't forgiven them for the way they mercilessly butchered them in the 30s? Yeah, I could kind of agree with that one. The rape of Nanking. Oh, the Japanese still won't acknowledge that, that happened, even though they took pictures of it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Anyway. So, How do you uh, respond to that, Zach? You, uh, yeah. you just ignore it and keep going. Yeah. So with that, um, that wraps up this episode of CSC. Any final thoughts? By the way, guys, pimp your stuff. What's what's going to be coming out the next uh, little bit with uh, Mayday Mondays? Oh, boy, we've been on fire with episodes lately. Um, in case you haven't noticed, we've hit twice a month, every month since April. So we're coming up on, what, like nine, ten episodes, something like that in a row. We're doing, yep. we're doing great. Um, we're going to be covering our next episode that will come out. It'll be out right before this one that comes out, I think. We'll be covering Spider-Girl number nine. And then we got, uh, we'll cover the rest of that first year of Spider-Girl. And should we, should we, tell, should we say it, Zach? Should we tell him, yeah. let him in on it? Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, we we have uh, agreement in principle. We have uh, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends lined up for an interview episode that is in the process of being scheduled. Excellent. Yes, we got to figure out when it's going to happen, but it will happen sooner rather than later. But def- we were wa- before the end of the year is where I'll commit to the time frame on that one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and then, Greg. Well, we're almost finished with the first season of Spectacular Spider-Man. It was touch and go there for a while, but. We're back on schedule. We're definitely finishing season one, and as far as I'm concerned, final curtain or bust. We're getting ready to record our next Wiseman interview, and we're hoping to have a, another special guest join us for that one. It depends entirely on scheduling, but I think it's going to happen. Uh, should I say who, or should I hold off? Mm, this is the big one. I think you should hold off. Yeah, yeah you're right. I'm going to hold off for now. I mean, you guys, trust me, you guys will know when we know. <laughs> So uh, very excited if, if everything uh, the stars align on that one and, and everything comes to pass. Um, all right, concerning with CSC, obviously next episode is going to be a solo effort, and then we'll be doing the Lizard story the following episode. And then uh, by that point, I think we'll be doing a, having a couple of more solo episodes coming out uh, as... as um, Zach mops time. up all the crap that we refuse to read. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> and uh, there'll, there'll be some modern stuff, and I'm going to on the uh, I'm going to do Grim Hunt, and uh, I might actually Sp- want to cover that one, Zach. We'll have to talk okay. about it. You yeah, know, we may we may you might get me for that one also. We'll see. We may, we may do an old school uh, trio like we did with the uh, Scarlet Spider books and do Grim Hunt together. Uh, you mean like we just finished doing? <laughs> exactly. Well, that was not intentional, though. This this would be intentional as, as opposed to not intentional. Oh, there's only three of us. We won't go terribly long three hours later. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's about 30 minutes of BS that I have to probably edit out. But that's okay. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, but, yeah, that's where we are with CSC. We're very excited. Uh, obviously, go listen to these other shows. They're fantastic. They do a lot of great work. Um, even when I'm not on there, uh, they're even sometimes, sometimes when I'm not on there, they're actually better. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, go check them all out. Uh, all of them are on spidey-do.com and all of them are on iTunes. Both of the other two I aforementioned made a Mondays and spectacular radio are on Google play podcasts. And if you want to be a part of this show and you want to send us an email, it's, uh, clone soccer chronicles, gmail.com or 
do it before I had to start threatening to kill like small animals again. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. Well, I have another closing thought. You know what? Let's... No, 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 wait, wait, wait. He's giving the I, number. I, He's giving the number. I have to give the number. 818-925-6631 is the phone number. Be sure to say you're calling for Clone Saga Chronicles, or you can call for any of the other shows on that particular one. <laughs> and hopefully, Zach, you don't pick up before it goes to the voicemail and completely rob us of the opportunity of having another call-in from Ron Friends, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, but I got to have an eight-minute conversation, and you didn't, so... To hell with you, man. <laughs> to hell with you. Anyway, the books are getting better from here on out, except for one that's coming up, but honestly, in retrospect, if I had known how bad the Unlimited issue would have been, I would have asked Kristen to write another poem for us. <laughs> Is she going to be appearing on another uh, spectacular radio soon? Yes. Good. She's been doing the interviews with me. <laughs> <gasps> when I... I knew that! <laughs> I was just testing you to make you plug it on the air. <laughs> Alright, so, with that... Check out the Respect Dash Dude Radio Network. We appreciate ever we appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time here on Clone Soccer Chronicles the Podcast. Thanks for listening. So uh, with that, we are now to the end of the show. And uh, first, some bloopers. Adjectiveless Spider-Man number seventy-two. Seventy-one. I was waiting. Seventy. I was waiting for you to screw up because you always do when you run off numbers. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to mention that they were down at CSC. They were covering um, things. They were down at, at CSC. Uh, CSC. <laughs> SDC. They were down at SDCC. Ooh, seconds. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like he's like uh, Curtis. Here, your wife and son. No, 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 no. no what are you doing? It's like, oh, well, oh, oh. Sorry. Uh, can you make a, a third clone then? It's like, oh, you. <laughs> well, well, he did bump into me once at New York Comic Con in a crowd, and I looked down, and there he was. And you heard a sound that sort of like went boom, and then you got rejected like twenty feet across the room. Yeah, kinda. Because that, that, that's all staying in. <laughs> Come on, Zach. You're wor- you're worse than Roger Goodell. Oh wow. No fun to be had anywhere. No no fun league now. We're, you're, you're you're conferring me to the no fun league. Okay. <laughs> all right. Oops, I just farted. What did you just say? The word fart. You're fined ten thousand dollars and you're suspended. He <laughs> you should have just gone to a furry convention. <laughs> or cloned himself a furry convention. He could do it. Yeah, he could. Oh god, should I go there? Should I go there, Greg? You know where I'm going with this. Yes, no, Bertoni's not here, so someone has to. Well, no, no, no. You know where I'm going somewhere else though. Not like a like a I'm going in a pervert direction here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've seen the Spider-Man porno, the first scene in it is with a... Uh, uh, oh, God. <laughs> and if you've ever seen the 1991 solo Spider-Man show, at one point, Be- Betty asks Jonah out on, on a date just to spite Peter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. And I will okay, post that continue. clip on Continue. Continue. <laughs> continue. <laughs> You can now insert that anytime you want because I isolated the clip for you. <laughs> I know you did it. That's great. <laughs> it's Taz! <laughs> wow.
Hey guys, just want to make one more reminder as we end this particular program that, of course, you can listen to us on uh, iTunes or Google Play on the, in the case of Spectacular Radio on Mayday Mondays, but you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at SDudePodcast. That's SDudePodcast on Twitter, or you can follow us on Facebook, spy-dude.com. So with that, we'll see you next time here on CSU.